Bring it in, Read Option Podcast back with what I just said before we started recording. I think my favorite podcast of the year, the third annual Read Option Mock Draft for the first round. The whole gang is here. We got a big week coming up. Obviously, the NFL Draft is coming We got uh, a fantastic interview coming up later this week that we're super excited about. Uh, So we're going to do our mock draft like we've done in years past, even though two of the three people in this pod, do their teams do not have a first round pick. So it's going to be a little bit different than we have in years past. But nonetheless, uh, we got a ton of stuff to get to, and including some breaking news that came in literally 15 minutes ago, right before we started recording. So that's going to lead the show. We'll get to that in a second. Uh, But everyone's here, boys. How are we? Everyone's back. Episode 191. If you haven't been paying attention, I have not uh, put out the the episode numbers on the podcast. So uh, to keep everyone updated, 191, we're coming up less than uh, 10. I think we're down to seven more podcasts until we hit 200, which I think we'll get another bottle of champagne for everybody. We'll have a whole night about it. It's going to be a great time. But either way, Big things coming for the read option. Lots of stuff. And the whole crew is here. So Vito, Scotty, how are we, boys? It's so good to see everybody. Just pumped to be talking draft. I mean, we're here. It's this week. Uh, Like you said, this is the most exciting time for me and any other fan of the NFL. You're in such delusional high hope mode right now because you're thinking that you have, you know, depending on how many picks you have, some of us have less than others, that like you have the ability to get three or four to 12 guys uh, that are going to change your franchise. And you know what? Like, this is where you see the Brady at 199. You see, like, even Mahomes not being one overall. That, like, gives you a little bit of hope. Um, we've all missed on picks. You, Everyone can think of one specific draft that your team's done. We're like, what the hell were you thinking? And you were right. But then they've also, like, had some steals. So it's just it's just another chapter in an amazing, an amazing event that is the NFL draft. My favorite – I always say like top four day of the year for me is going to be this Thursday night and really through the weekend, top four event of the year, like up there with Christmas and and really those two are on a pedestal of the Super Bowl. And that's about it. What about you, Scotty? How you doing, man? I'm good, man. Look, and you're right. This year in particular, it's going to be so important to pay attention to days two and three uh, of the draft because we'll, we'll talk about it at the top. It's, it's a weird class, a really weird draft class. So uh, hitting on the guys that uh, that you get late in uh, late in the game, especially you and me, whose teams, at least my team doesn't have a pick until the third round. So uh, we'll yeah. see about that. I want to clean something up from last week, though. I, I regretted or I failed to mention rather uh, we were we were at the uh, the Penn State spring game, as you as we talked about last week, Jeff. And uh, and I met a special three year old uh, by the name of Mac Martz. Uh, friend of the pod or son of a friend of the pod. And uh, I was introduced to him this son way. Jeff, Jeff said, uh, yeah, son of a pod. Uh, Jeff said, you know uh, how, um, how daddy listens to uh, people talk in the car about sports. That's one of those guys. 
And so it was a really fun moment. So shout out to you, Mac and Jeff. Thanks for listening all the time. We love you guys. Yeah. The Martz family as a whole, we, we love and adore. They've supplied me with uh, meat in the past from our fantasy league. And Vito still had, did you get yours yet? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, you mean, did. Okay. Oh hell yeah. It's, it's uh we downed some steaks. I got the ground beef going, made a bunch of dude, the tacos. Dude, the, incredible. Dude, the meat's amazing. Dude, the ground beef from them it's is legitimately incredible. It's the like, best ground beef I've ever had. A hundred, a hundred percent. The Mars yeah. family, uh, which again, this is very niche, but specific listeners, they've been with us since the beginning. Uh, like literally since before this podcast even existed, they listened to the three of us talk about football on a podcast that was just for our fantasy league, which we've gone over, over and over again on this pod, it feels like, but we always get new listeners. So it's always good to remind, you know, the people who haven't been here, you know, here's how our roots, how we started. Uh, but Jeff and, uh, and his family now they got two little ones, uh, but Mac Martz, man, what a legend. Uh, and, and Jeff, an absolute legend of the game has been a mass massive supporter of us has reached out on, on multiple occasions. So we love them. Love to hear that you actually got to meet one of them. And you know what? Someday, that kid, Mac, he Mac's going to be like 16 and we're all going to be old and gray. And some of us are going to be balding. Some of us might already be balding. It's cool. Vito, Shout don't out. worry about it. Um, but we're going to get to a point. Shout out to your boy. Uh, but we'll get to that point and they'll be like, hey, you know, you may not remember this, but when I was, you know, when you were a kid, you know, I may, hey, hopefully 10 years from now, the podcast is still going and we're, we're still living life and we're still enjoying it. But uh, it, that's a cool thing, Scotty. So I love, love to hear that's that. That's dope. Uh, so yeah, speaking so we're of gonna, Packers fans, <laughs> I was going to say, speaking of Packers fans, uh, so yeah, we're going to get to the, uh, the mock draft here in a little bit. Uh, we're going to do a quick segment here to start because our, our long national nightmare is over. Aaron Rodgers has, uh, finally been traded. We don't have to keep talking about this. Like it has been hanging over our heads in the sports world for so long. Uh, Aaron Rodgers officially traded to the New York jets, uh, Aaron, uh, Adam Schefter tweeted this just about 15, 20 minutes ago. Um, big deal. I mean, I, I it's something we kind of knew what's happening. Now we know the compensation. I think our, the ultimate, the initial reaction was, hey, you know, it's a, it seems like a pretty f- fair deal. Uh, the way it looks, the Jets get Aaron Rodgers, the number 15 overall pick this year, and a 2023 fifth-round pick. Uh, the Packers get in return for Aaron Rodgers and all of the draft compensation there is they will get the 13th pick in this year's draft, the number 42nd overall or 42nd overall pick, uh, which is a uh, sorry, second round pick, 42nd overall, sixth round pick, number 207 in this year's draft. And then they get the conditional 2024 second round pick that becomes a first round pick if. Aaron Rodgers plays 65% of snaps for the New York Jets. Now, that is the uh, what I would call the Carson Wentz move, which for those of you who don't remember, when the Eagles traded Carson Wentz to the Indianapolis Colts, there was a, a clause in that trade that there was a second-round pick. If Wentz played 70% of snaps throughout the season, then as, you know, starting quarterback reps, then that second-round pick becomes a first-round pick. Uh, and – Carson Wentz blew past that, which gave the Eagles a first-round pick, which they then parlayed into turning into what they now have as the 10th overall pick this year. So uh, it's one of those things that's like, hey, in the right hands, and Joe Douglas comes from the Howie Roseman tree, right? All these guys, like, 
it seems like that could be a valuable chip there. Could be potentially two first rounders, could be a first, two seconds, and a sixth, as well as the pick swap this year between. I mean, look, it's a two, it's a two pick difference, but you know, as we've seen in years past, two picks could be a big difference. But uh, right off the bat, again, my inclination, this seems like it's a pretty fair deal. It feels like it's pretty cut and dry. It seems like both teams are getting what they want out of it. Uh, and and for the Jets, it's like a little bit of insurance. Hey, if something happens to Rodgers, if he goes off the deep end, decides to retire halfway through the season, some sort of weird Aaron Rodgers shit, uh, you know, hey, at least we're covered. We're not losing a first next year. If he does stay and play the whole season, he's a first-round pick. It's worth it because with Rodgers, they should be in the playoffs next year with the way that that roster is constructed. So, uh, all in all, I think it's a pretty fair trade. I think both teams walk away with something that they liked, which makes sense for a deal that was between two teams where neither team had the leverage because Aaron Rodgers pissed all over the leverage that the New York Jets had, uh, which is kind of a constant theme and maybe a little bit of foreshadowing for what the Jets have coming over the next couple of years. Yeah, I mean, for me, looking at this, right, when, when you kind of cancel these out, you're right. Like the move up is, is big. Um, but really what happened is they swapped first, they swapped sixth, like six round picks, which is actually crazy because, um, you know, the, uh, the Packers basically moved up from 207 to 170. Um, so it's basically swap ones, swap sixes. You get a second this year and probably a first next year. Um, so, you know, if that all goes down, will this be worth it? And I love how everyone, you know, it's been all over that. Like if, if Aaron Rodgers goes, he's already the best quarterback ever. That's played best jets player of all time or whatever that people are saying, listen, he has to go out there and have at least a season or two, like, you know, then to Brady Manning, all those guys. And, and he's in that category, right? Like he's definitely in that level of talent. I don't know, Scott, like, I think he's definitely like, he can make this deal worth it. And I feel like it's finally the moment the Jets turn the corner and aren't the Jets anymore. You know what I mean? Like they've been the butt of every joke since like the butt fumble happened. And, and just even before that in early two thousands weren't great. Then they got better. Then they fell. Like, it's just been this like, Oh, they're finally going to make it to a couple of AFC championships, then fall back down. And, you know, is this, is this, you know, the move to get them over that hump, it, but you know, it's going to be tough in that division and in really the conference. That's that's the big key is, is the division they play in and then getting through the conference. We've seen how good the, uh, the upstart teams uh, have been over the past few years, the chiefs leading the charge there, then the bills and, and now the Bengals as well, uh, all in the mix. And then you can't count out the dolphins who are also in their division Patriots. You never know what they're going to do. Um, so yeah, it, it, it could be good. Um, it could be that they do have the best quarterback that that has ever played. Uh, and no slight to uh, to Broadway Joe, who's may or may not give up his number. It seems like uh, Aaron Rodgers is going to wear eight and not twelve, though. Uh, but he said he um, would. He said he would give yeah. it. But yeah, Rodgers like. But I'll, yeah, I'll Shefty Shefty already said he's wearing number eight, which is yeah, yeah, which is interesting. Yeah, so it it could be good. Uh, look, my initial uh, thought, I thought the the Jets won this uh, right out of the gate because they get Aaron Rodgers. And all the picks they gave up, except for that conditional one next year, are all this year. So the Packers have to put all of those eggs in one basket. It's not, hey, we'll, we'll take a couple of draft picks um, in varying rounds, including the first over a two, three, four-year period. Uh, they have to get it right in this draft for, the, for this trade to make sense for the Packers. 
I do, however, see the argument, you know, you put the numbers in the uh, in the Jimmy Johnson trade machine. Right. And it mm-hmm. turns out that like it's a full like early second round, late first round better for the Packers based on the math than it is for uh, for the Jets. But you get Aaron Rodgers and that's that's really the if he is the savior that New York thinks he is. Uh, listen, I think that that a lot of Jets fans have have put a lot into speaking of eggs in a basket already. Just the way that they've talked with with such confidence that he would be there. Then there's four months or three months of uh, mm-hmm. of just question marks, and and now all of a sudden it's done, and and they think they're going to be, be the best team in the AFC East, just like that. So, <laughs> who knows, man? This is I was fully prepared to wait this out until draft night when it, at seven thirty it became the Aaron Rodgers show about like, oh well, that was, the trade's going down, uh, maybe. So. I'm glad it got done before, so we can talk a little more. Well, so so I heard Peter, I heard Peter Schrager on uh, part of my take today, and and he was saying he thought it would happen day two of the draft. I didn't see it. Now look, he's plugged in and and hears things that like we don't see, you know, we don't hear. But at the same time, like that didn't make sense to me when I heard it, only because if you're the Packers and you're trading Rodgers, you want assets this year. Right. Like you, you want to get something immediately. And, and particularly, you're looking for draft assets. You're looking for something that you're going to be able to get this year. That you're going to be able to deploy and, and immediately recruit, you know, the, the benefits of, of trading away this guy who's been obviously a huge part of their franchise for as long as he has. Uh, so, so the fact that you're talking about like a day two, like I, that didn't make sense because I figured if nothing else, the fact that the two of, you know, the Packers and Jets were so close, a pick swap makes a ton of sense. You get to move up two spots in the draft, uh, which again, as I said at the top, like that's huge. That's a huge difference, right? Like, I, I obviously anyone who follows the NFC East, Devontae Smith is a perfect example, right? Like Devontae, like the Giants wanted Devontae Smith, and the Eagles traded up ahead of him, right? And so if if the Packers want to trade up and try to get somebody, that's two spots closer, right? Could could the the Packers be a dark horse for you know a Will Levis or an Anthony Richardson, right? Yeah, you know, trying well, to trade the- up there. That, then that moves you up two spots closer. So for sure, getting it done before the draft starts, I think makes all the sense in the world for both teams, right? Uh, the, the, the Jets want to make sure that they're drafting based off not only speculation that they're going to have, you know, Aaron Rodgers there, but that they're actually going to have Aaron Rodgers there. Like, I think that makes a, like means a lot to both of them. Yeah. Uh, and now he's there, right? In the Packers, now it's going to be the Jordan Love show, more than likely, unless something crazy happens on draft night. And you can't rule that out. It's a very realistic possibility. I think the biggest part of this, and and ultimately why I, I think it's a win-win, because like I don't, I don't think this is a situation where we're talking about like, hey, one team fleeced the other, or one team got so much more, because just like any trade, history will ultimately determine who wins and who loses the trade. What we see now in front of the, the Green Bay Packers are a bunch of assets. And I, I would bet a lot of money. And I would also say this, like, if you're the Jets, you're only making that deal with that condition, which 65% seems low, which if I'm a Jets fan is probably a little concerning as to like, hey, why is it only 65%? Like, this guy should be playing like 85% of our snaps starting <laughs> at quarterback, you know? And, you know, that 65% number feels like the Jets are going to be pretty comfortable with moving on from their first round pick next year. So I feel like the the Packers got more out of this when the talk for the last two and a half months has just been like, 
man, like the Packers have no leverage here. It's like, well, they're walking away with an additional first round pick and a, a better first round pick this year than they had last year. And they get to pick up an extra second round pick, which is what you guys were talking about. Like we're in this era now where there's so many quarterbacks and wide receivers being taken in the first round. Like, the difference making round is no longer the first round because the first round, no matter what position you're taking, is still 50 50, right? Mm-hmm. If, you, if you're drafting in the second round, that's where that hidden talent is. So if the Packers now have two first rounders, or two, or I have a first rounder this year, two second rounders, and they get an additional first rounder this year, next year. They're getting four picks in the first and second round over the next two years. That is incredibly valuable. And then guess what? If they, if, for whatever reason, Rodgers doesn't play 65%. All right, cool. Then you're going to get two first round, two second rounders next year and your own first rounder next year. And that's going to be enough that I think we'll be able to get you over the edge. So, and I think, I think my only trepidation there was that say you go through, you keep all these picks. And this is a huge hypothetical because the odds are pretty good that they're not going to end up keeping all of them. They're going to trade them as parts of deals. But let's say the Packers do keep all of these picks, they get a what we expect will be a late first rounder next year. Uh, because the Jets are maybe are now this I mean, much better. Who, who we knows, don't know. Right? Let's just assume for the sake of argument, right? And you decide that based on the way he played this year, Jordan Love is not your guy. Now you can't go out and get a good quarterback or a top end quarterback in the draft next year, unless you, you trade half of those assets to somebody else. I mean, if <laughs> if anything, it's very similar to what the Eagles were in last year, which is like. Yeah. You know, if, if the Eagles sat this year with the 10th overall pick in the like, like again, like let's say Jalen Hurts, for whatever reason, they decided they didn't want Jalen Hurts as the quarterback. Then they take this, the 10th overall pick and the 25th overall pick. Or they have the 30th this year. But in, in this world, the Eagles wouldn't have gotten to the Super Bowl. So they want to move on from, you know, Jalen Hurts. You know, then then you're moved. You have two first round picks in that year. That's going to be better than pretty much any other asset. And yeah, you might have to tack on an additional second round pick down the line and and some other things attached to it. But realistically, getting out of the AFC with the Bills in that division alone, when you have the Dolphins, you have the Bills, you have the Pats, and then you have the Jets now where the Jets might be what, the third? There's There's a world where the Jets are the third, maybe the fourth best team in their own division let alone the conference but let's say they do make the playoffs and in the wild card round they're facing off against the bills and they lose that game then that's a 21st 22nd overall pick plus whatever the packers have in their own right you can go ahead and trade up that's that's really good value you're getting two first round picks to trade away for a team that's you know when you're trying to go up and get you know whether it's drake may out of north carolina or whether it's kale Williams out of usc you know, whatever other quarterback people fall in love with during the college season next year, like you're, you're supplying them with assets to at least move up in the draft in a world that again, doesn't seem super likely that it's going to be like a crazy valuable pick. Plus I think the only world where that pick isn't in the twenties is if Aaron Rodgers gets hurt or ends up retiring or doing something again, some weird Aaron Rodgers shit where then that pick then becomes a second round pick. And then, all right, now we get a package together, a future first rounder, this first rounder this year, and maybe one of the two seconds from this year. Either way, if you're the Packers, you're gaining an asset. You're getting an asset that you're going to be able to push ahead and, and, and use in a draft case scenario if Jordan Love doesn't end up being the guy. And 
In the best case scenario, it's like Jalen Hurts, and he does end up being the guy. And now you're the team with a pretty good quarterback in a relatively weak division with Kirk Cousins going into the last year of his contract. Jared Goff, who seems to be a court in quarterback limbo, even though he played really well last year, he's going to be the starter this year unless something crazy happens on draft night with the with the Lions. You're going to have Jared Goff. You're going to have Justin Fields, which is still a huge question mark. And then Kirk Cousins in the last year of his contract. That's a winnable division if you're the Green Bay Packers. And Jordan Love has been sitting behind Aaron Rodgers now for two full seasons. Year number three, let's see what he can go out and do. It seems like it's a perfect thing for them. And if also the other and the other stand, right? If you are the Jets, you build in a little bit of that insurance in case Rodgers doesn't perform well. And if he does perform well, then you're okay with giving up the first overall pick. And you're not in this, you know, draft position hell that like teams like the 49ers and teams like the Denver Broncos might be in where they made these big moves to go up and get a quarterback and it hasn't quite worked out for them. I know. I'm I'm sorry. I didn't mean to make both of you guys drink at the same time, but you did. I I did. I did anyway. Right. So they're protecting themselves that, Hey, we're only losing one future year and God forbid something happens to Aaron Rodgers. We're going to hold on to that for if something major happens to Rogers, you're still going to hold on to that first overall pick or well, yeah. first round. Pick. I do, I do think it's it's a very solid trade for both sides. I do what I do love about it for the Jets too is like I was shocked that they were able to keep this year's one. To your point, I know the Packers probably want. I bet you a lot of the deal was hung up on all of this, and that's why you have multiple rounds being traded. Like this seems like the makeup of a very difficult trade when you have two different rounds this year, you're swapping picks in and then you have a conditional next year. That made sense. But the, the, just the, the makeup of this, you could tell why it was so difficult, why it took like 40 days since um, today's 40 days since he went on the Pat McAfee show and announced that he wanted to go play for the jets. So it, it's been a while. And, you know, he was saying it was a hold up then shit. It's been another month and a half. So uh, I'm, I'm happy for Rodgers just that this like and for Jets fans, because honestly, I was kind of sick of like it would happy be very for football Jets fans if, like just across yeah, the board. We can stop fucking right? talking about this. Shit. <laughs> now, we talked about this. I, Vito, I don't think you were on the podcast that we did. Correct me if I'm wrong, but we did do a pod when he when uh, Rodgers went on McAfee and, and said yeah. that he was going to be off. Yeah, he, he intended to play for the Jets and all that stuff. Um and my my thing was still like what I was kind of saying earlier, which is like I still don't think the, the Jets are all of a sudden like some elite level team. Like I, I still think there's holes. I still think they're young. Obviously, Quentin Williams was was phenomenal this past year, and Sauce Gardner immediate hit coming out of the draft. You have the offensive and defensive rookie of the year coming from the same team. Like you have young pieces in place, uh, but what is the ceiling with the New York Jets? with Aaron Rodgers because to me it's like yeah it's it's no question like hey you take a 500 team roughly you know where they finished seven and ten last year like you, you have a team that's still in that kind of ballpark um but I still don't know if it's gonna be enough to get you past Kansas City I don't think it's enough to get you past Cincinnati I don't think it's enough to get you past Buffalo so realistically like I'm not gonna say perfect world because obviously a perfect world for every NFL team is winning the Super Bowl but what is a realistic but also optimistic standpoint uh, or prediction that you could have for what this Jets team will look like in 2023? So 
my sense of this is a little bit, my confidence and my tastes are a little bit shook after I really thought that Russell to the Broncos was going to work out. But, uh, you know, so the point is you don't know. It's all about the mix of the team. Um, I do think Rodgers is a much better player than, than Russell, like just to take their prime, right? Obviously, they're very different ages now. Um, what I do like about the Jets is they have a lot of coaches who have had, like, I think the fact that Nathaniel Hackett there is a plus. The fact that he failed as a head coach, and I don't want to say, fa- I mean, he got fired, right? But having that experience will make him a better coach and a better person. Robert Sala, I, we all think, you know, very highly of. Michael Four is back as their offensive coordinator. That will help for sure. Uh, I think that connection, and then we'll see what else happens. Isn't here. Um, isn't Hackett the offensive coordinator now? I think no, they because they let go of Lafleur. Oh, they did. That's right. No, it was a uh, hack. I thought Hackett was QB coach, but you're right. He he must be coordinator, and so. Like they just have a lot of guys around basically, uh, you know, Aaron, that number one are a little bit, uh, I would say, familiar with him personally. Like there isn't this adjustment that that Russell had to do and he only wants to step on each other's toes. You're coming from a relationship that's established, Aaron and Hackett. Like just even seeing Aaron Rodgers talk about Hackett and how pissed he was about the way people talked about Hackett. Like you're already in a foxhole. You don't have it. Like your common enemy is everybody else. And just having a common enemy, like Rogers already motivated. He has all this stuff. He was going to retire. He came back. I think that the the ceiling for them is, is actually a good run in the playoffs. I think this team is good enough to do that. Um, I mean, hell, if they had literally, if they had Aaron Rodgers last year, they're probably at least 10 and seven. instead of seven and 10, if not way higher. I mean, the one game that they lost the Patriots, he's, he's not, he's not putting up three, you know, yeah. like, so, so I think already they, they've caught themselves in close games. He's the kind of guy. I saw it with Peyton. We saw it with Brady. They just pull out some, like, two or three games a year. You're like, how the hell did you do that? But it's them, so you kind of just keep watching red zone. And and I think because of that, they're definitely going to make the playoffs. Um, I think as a wild card, I think the division's tough. But I, I do, like, that's my expectation for them. And, and I think they can make a deep run. Now, in that same vein, because, like, I – it's so hard, right? Cause Rogers goes back to back MVPs. And then last year coming and trying to defend that title doesn't look good. Like at all, like the, the first eight weeks of the season, Rogers didn't look good. And eventually as, as time went on, especially that game against the Eagles kind of exposing that Jonathan Gannon defense a little bit, that was giving stuff that like most veteran quarterbacks were able to pick apart there's there were still glimpses of Rodgers being the guy that we were accustomed to like hey this is the guy who won back-to-back MVPs I'm not super confident that that version of Rodgers still exists like it's not to say that he it's not to say that he won't be good still it's not to say that he won't be able to be productive or better than what their options were last year which again comparing options like yeah the version of, I, the, the player at quarterback, whether it was Flacco or Mike White or Zach Wilson or the fourth stringer who got into that one Thursday night game, who I always forget, like for the most part, yeah, Rodgers is an upgrade over all of those guys. But is he also enough to elevate your roster with a lot of young talent to get to a point that's competitive? And then I look at myself like, hey, I'm Joe Douglas. 
is this the move that I, cause like Joe Douglas has been a really good GM. Look at his draft record, right? Like he's other than Zach Wilson, which I get is a, as big of a miss as you can have, especially given the position and the significance behind it and where you were drafting and who you could have had and all that stuff. But I look at that and I go, is this the move that you want to be remembered for? Because for a lot of these GMs, when you make these trades, when you make this move that Joe Douglas is going to be moved, who's again, done a phenomenal job in the draft. He has, he had the offensive defensive rookie of the year last year, right? Like he's done a really good job in the draft. Is this the move that you want to be tied to for the, for the foreseeable future? Do you want to be the guy that bets on 39 year old Aaron Rodgers to show up and be enough to make you competitive but like again that word competitive is tough because it's like hey we were in we were in the wild card round we were in the divisional round cool were you competing for a super bowl because the assets that you're giving up and the move that you're making should be enough to get you into the super bowl what i think the rhetoric around it is already that he's the best quarterback that the jets have ever had i think makes that even case even worse too right is is that now it has to be true and for that to be true, that means we have to at least be close to sniffing the the division title, if not making our way or running our way through the AFC. The other thing I'd be worried about as a Jets fan, too, is if indeed what Rodgers went through last year was complacency because he was unhappy with the situation, because he didn't have receivers for 15 years, unless it was Randall Cobb or Jordy Nelson. Uh, and if the Jets ever get to that point, at what point is he going to check out and be like, oh, I'm not really interested in playing for this team that's seven and nine persistently every year, even though we have a really good defense. See, for me, I think they did. They gave up for what they gave up. I think that it, this is a great move by the GM to almost buy himself more time and almost erase the stink off of the Zach Wilson draft. Like if he doesn't make this move, we're talking about Zach Wilson for the next year or two, probably until there's another quarterback that comes through. That's not like, you know, a good quarterback. So I think to me, this almost erases the stink off of that. Like, um, and, and really you know, kind of helps out. It's almost like it, it almost extends his life. I think it's a good move by the GM for his career, like just to really hold on. Cause yeah, I'd rather, I'd rather if I'm him hitch, hitch my career to Aaron Rodgers in the last year or two than like, praying that Zach Wilson works out or that we're going to find a quarterback at, you know, at the time 13. No. I, and I think there is truth to that. Like, I, I, I don't think, I think it's a good point, Vito. Like I, there is some sort of like, Hey, we're extending the leash. My question is at least the way I approach it is more of like, I don't know how much leash there is after this move where like, Hey, this might be the move that, that gives you an extra two years and you can nail the draft you can bring in more guys that are going to help Rodgers be successful, but is that going to be enough for you to hold on to it when, because look, like I, I like Aaron Rodgers, right? Like I, I, in terms of the football player for my money still, and Mahomes has been incredible, but in terms of watching a guy play one position for a decade, Aaron Rodgers was the best quarterback I've ever seen over a 10 year span. Like he's just, he's unbelievable. I've, there will be nothing I can ever see that will erase the throws in my mind. I always go back to the the, the fourth down throw against Dallas in the playoffs on the sideline to the, uh, the tight end who I forget who it was, but like some of the most incredible plays and moments I've ever seen watching football came with Aaron Rodgers being the quarterback behind it. That version's not there, 
right? And so you make this trade knowing that, and you know that that version of Rodgers probably is never going to come back. That's probably never going to be the version of Rodgers we see again. It does extend you, though. And at the same time, I look at it and go, for as great as, as Rodgers was and for as brilliant as some of the throws and plays I've seen him make over the years, him on this team, even peak Rodgers on this team, going up against Mahomes and Allen and Burrow, and you know who who knows what's going to happen with Lamar, and who knows if Deshaun Watson snaps back into it this year, right? Like, there's so much going on in the AFC that I get why the Jets are like, hey, this will at least keep us competitive. But even the Jets have to know that they can't win the Super Bowl with this. I shouldn't say can't, but more than likely will not. And that's my thing where it's like, is Aaron Rodgers now going to be the most expensive bridge quarterback of all time? Because at 39 years old, a guy who said um, less than a month ago, I think it was about two weeks ago, he was on McAfee and said he was 90% retired. Mm-hmm. And now you're giving up this much for him, which isn't as, again, not as much as what Russ, you know, the Russ deal was. And isn't as much as what we've seen for other deals in the past. I just, I don't know if you're the Jets that this actually gets you to Super Bowl competitiveness. I think it I think it convinces your fan base that you are. I think it makes you a better football team and there's something admirable about that. But when you have a roster that is this loaded with young talent. And I get it. Well, you have all these guys in rookie contracts, go out and get somebody who's going to be more expensive. But if Rodgers rolls out playing the level of football that he played last year, they're not going to be that team. Now, if this is one of those situations where Aaron Rodgers gets invigorated because he's around a bunch of, he's in a new place with young talent and he's got a familiar face, but it's going to be a new offense. And it's going to be this, all this different stuff. And that re- reignites that fire in him. That's great. The same thing happened to Brett Favre, which goes back to what Scott and I talked about and laughed about the last time we did this podcast, which is that it's hilarious that literally Aaron Rodgers is following in the footsteps of the guy that he hated for three years because he's turned into literally the exact same guy. And when Favre went to the Jets before he got hurt the first six weeks, he was incredible. When he went to the Vikings, he was incredible, right? Because it was that juice of something new after doing the same thing over and over again. Same thing can be said for any anybody who, who leaves a job that maybe they're not the happiest in and they go to a new place and a new work environment that they're really stoked about. You're going to kick ass at your job for the first you know, two months that you're there. But what is the long term of that look like? Or is that two first two or three months going to be worth it? As good as Rodgers might look, come playoff time, is he still going to be as good or as bought in? Or, well, even if it's the first full year, if they lose to a really good Chiefs team or a really good Jets or a Bills team or a really good Bengals team, are they still going to be chomping? Is he going to still be chomping at the bits and that happy after he has his first playoff failure? And I think the conventional wisdom tells you no, just based off of what we've seen from Aaron Rodgers. So, I mean, it's hard to argue that roster is so good. I look at these guys here and I'm like, man, I could package a, a future first rounder and a second rounder this year and a, probably a pretty similar draft package and try to jump up and get a Bryce Young or a CJ Stroud or somebody else. And then we can have this young core grow um, or hell, I would rather go and go after Lamar Jackson and give Lamar Jackson a big contract. And then you have all these guys behind you who are young and cheap. And then eventually you work out the rest of it later. I just, 
I'm forever going to question whether the Rodgers thing is the right quarterback. Cause I think the move for them to go out and get somebody to be the quarterback in the long term is the smart move, but I don't know if it's the right quarterback that they're picking. I feel like going out and getting Lamar would probably be more worth it, but that also comes with an expensive price tag. And as we know, owners don't love to shell that money out. So we will see uh, either way. The deal gets done. Finally, like I said, our long waiting national nightmare is over uh, and we can finally feel like we're moved on fully to the NFL draft. So with that, we will take a quick break. We'll come back on the other side. NFL draft mock draft read option style 3.0 our third year doing this. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. Only one of us have a pick in the first round, but we will go through all 32 of the first picks and uh, we will uh, get you guys ready for the NFL draft. So hang on tight. We'll be back in just a sec. All right. It is time. I think last year I I pulled up the sound effect. I was like, do, 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 uh, which I am. I'm so excited. God, I feel like this draft. And before we jump into it, I do want to take a second because we got to do a couple of things. Number first thing we got to do is we got to make sure that as of right now, because again, the Eagles are the only team that's drafting in the first round out of our three teams. So by mm-hmm. default, the way we've done it in years past, I get the number one overall pick because that means I'll get the pick for the Eagles. Um, at 10. At 10, correct. Uh, so because of that, that means two and three, we don't know who's going to be drafting where yet. So Scotty and Vito are going to do a rock, paper, scissors for that in a second. Uh, and we'll do that before we draft. But I do want to at least want to take a second before we jump into the mock draft, because in years past, we've we've gone through and done kind of breakdowns and, and with the way the schedules worked and just life stuff's gotten way. We haven't got quite the chance to do that yet. So I do want to give ourselves a chance to at least kind of talk about the draft as a whole in, in generic terms, just because this does feel like an unusual draft. And we said the same thing last year, right? Because there was no like marquee quarterback last year. Last year, we didn't, you know, the first quarterback taken off the board was Kenny Pickett, and he wasn't drafted until what, they're like 21 or 20 or 19, somewhere in that ballpark, right? Um, so we, we're kind of looking at this just slightly different this year. This year feels different, though, because we do have some top tier quarterbacks, but there's also massive question marks about every single player. So uh, it's a weird draft. There's still a lot of talent. But this year, I think in, you know, 10 years from now, whenever we look back and we pull up the, uh, you know, pro football reference page and we look through the guys that were drafted in this class. And I feel like we're going to pay more attention to the second round because I really do feel like there's enough talent here that the second round is where a lot of value is going to be. But ultimately, it feels like we're going to be into a second or we're going to be, you know, ready for at least a second consecutive year where the draft is just mayhem. It just feels like it's all over the place. And uh, I think we're going to see a ton of trades, and I'm really excited. But how are you both feeling as we're coming in to uh, draft week here uh, in, you know, coming up in just a couple of days? Don't have a pick till the third round, Jeff. Can't tell you. <laughs> uh, we had the, the Niners don't pick until 99. And you, uh, Vito, what's your 68, something like that? We have 67 and 68. So it'll yeah. be a little different, but luckily, you know, obviously, been. Rooting hard for the Eagles here. It's crazy to think, you know, a year ago, Grant was getting drafted and all that stuff. I, I think that for me this year is like, uh, you know, 
I think it is almost a normal draft shift. I, maybe it's just my, my perspective of like, oh, it's going to be nice to go back to like, you know, week four of the draft to kind of know who number one is, we think. And then what's going on with Not, two? Yeah. Who's going to trade? <laughs> all that stuff. That's always kind of fun. But uh, I, I'm really excited to see, um, obviously, where some quarterbacks fall, some of these skill position guys I like. Um, which ridiculously random person does Bill Belichick find a draft that turns out to be a pro bowler? And then, uh, like the low key story that's not a story out of this is the fact that like the Dolphins just didn't have their pick because of the fact that they tampered and tried to get Brady. Like there's all, this is the first draft in my lifetime. I shouldn't say lifetime. It's the first draft since the Texans in 02, where there are 31 picks in the first round of the NFL draft. And that's really because of the, yeah. Like, like, cause it's I thought that I thought the spy gate with New England, they lost the first rounder. Was it a first? I don't know if it, it, it might have been a second. I could be wrong on that, but I, I, I don't know that as fact. I just assumed that. So I could yeah. very much be wrong, but I mean, either way, you're right. First. I mean, that is a, that is a huge, huge mark. Like, yeah, the fact that there's only 31, like, I feel like that's been glossed over. I don't know if that's ESPN just feeling like, hey, it's not really worth talking about. That's that altogether is a story with massive ramifications that we kind of just forgotten about and kind of just moved on from without really fully diving into. Um, and it feels like the NFL has kind of been cool with keeping it that way. But yeah, I mean, yeah. that's, I mean, that's a right. huge they, deal. they did get a they did get a one. They had a okay. one so since 08 since 08. And I think they tried to move that to a three after some back and forth, but that was what the original lineup was. So no, it's, it's, you're right. So like, to me, that's, that's, what's going to be kind of, that's the story that you're right. It seems like the NFL and doesn't want to make it a story and everyone's cool with that. Just like, let that go. You know, a a divisional team tried to poach the greatest quarterback of all time from his team while under contract. (laughs) Yeah, seriously. Um, But yeah, it's, it's, it's a weird draft too, because We've also been on this string, and remember, we talked about this the last two years, like, hey, are we just in this world now where, you know, wide receivers are turning into, like, running backs where, hey, you don't draft them in the first round unless you think they're going to be a no-doubt, no-brainer, like, game-changing type of player. And I, I honestly, like, this year, there's not a wide receiver that comes close. Like, look through the last couple of years, right, whether it was – Jamar Chase going one and, uh, you know, Devontae Smith in that draft. Who was the second wide receiver taking that class? C.D. Lamb? No, it was, that might have been the year before. Scotty, yeah. who, who, who was the second wide receiver taken after Jamar Chase? Jalen Waddle, right? Jaylen yeah, Waddle. Waddle. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, Chase and Waddle and Devontae, right? All three of them. And obviously Devontae and A.J. Brown, they're both 1A together. They're both 1A, 1B together. Um because I think you can make the case that Devontae was honestly a, a better wide receiver than A.J. Brown, which is crazy to think. But if you wanted to make that case, you could. Uh, and then, you know, last year it was Drake London and Garrett Wilson. Uh, it, three years ago, it was Jerry Judy and Henry Ruggs and uh, C.D. Lamb, right? So it's like you can make the case. Like every year it felt like, hey, we have this crazy string of all these number one guys. Every single year for three years in a row now, 
and this would be the fourth, where you have this string of wide receivers going at some point towards the end of the top 10, going up to 20, where it's like you you can guarantee at least three guys are getting drafted there. Obviously, you have the Jalen Rager and Justin Jefferson draft too, you know, to go along with CeeDee mm-hmm. Lamb and those guys where there were five wide receivers taken in the first and then T. Higgins taken with the 33rd overall pick, so basically a, another first. So six guys taking the first 33 picks. Uh, we don't have that this year. You know, like Jackson Smith and Jigba seems to be the overall number one, but when you listen to the people who really know the position, they're like, look, he'll probably end up being like a really, really good slot receiver. I've heard like he's going to be like – his ceiling is like a Brandon Cooks which is not a slight on him at all because Brandon Cooks has had seven consecutive 1,000-yard seasons, and Brandon Cooks has been a really good wide receiver. But he's not a guy that's breaking game-changing plays all the time. He's just a, a guy that everyone would love to have on your team, which, again, is an asset. Uh, you know, uh, Addison out of USC, who won the Belindikoff at, at US, or when he was at Pitt. Pitt, yeah. He is, is really good. But again, slot receiver, Zay Flowers out of Boston College, small, undersized, explosive, plays bigger than he is, but not a game-changing type of guy, like a potential like Deshaun Jackson type of player. You know, he's not going to be Tyree Kill. I think guys look at him, they go, oh, could he be? No, there is no Tyree Kill. He's gonna, it, it, At best case scenario, he's like Deshaun Jackson, which again is like a 12-year vet who puts up 1,000-yard seasons and has awesome careers. But we're, there's no T.O. in this class. There's no, you know, C.D. Lamb. There's no Jamar Chase, it. Justin Jefferson. There's nobody like that in this class, which makes it interesting because we've had that for three years in a row. And this being the fourth year, it's like, all right, well, now we're probably going to see more guards taken in the first year. We're going to see what we do have this year, a loaded tight end room uh, class, yeah. right? Like the tight end room in this class is sick. So there's going to be a ton, a lot of really, really fun stuff to follow so in a lot of ways, you're right, Vito, that it does feel, at least with the quarterback side of it, that we're kind of going back to it because it's tight end, it's edge ru- or sorry, it's quarterback, it's edge, ru- edge rushers uh, and cornerbacks, which at this point are probably the three most valuable things that you can draft in the first round. Um, a couple of good offensive tackles, uh, but the wide receiver market, which seems to be like a big part of the draft now, at least in recent history, doesn't seem to be as strong this year even though we know next year it'll bounce back because you got Marvin Harrison Jr., a bunch of other guys who are going to come in and steal the show. I, I wouldn't say it's not as strong. It's not as concrete as, that as it has been in the past of like, all right, we've got a really solidified uh, tier one of like four or five deep uh, that are going to for sure go in the first round. And then a middle tier of, of three or four guys who could go in the first round, but you get good value at, at the beginning of the second round. It's stuff like that. And, yeah. and that's at every position, not just wide receiver. Well, and I think you look at it this way. It's like, hey, could the first three guys that go between Jackson Smith and Jigba, Addison, and Zay Flowers, could all three of them end up having a Brandon Cooks-like career? No question. But does that mean we're going to look back on this draft and in the years that we're comparing it to when you have Jamar Chase and you have Justin Jefferson and you have these like game changing guys like there is no game changing guy. That doesn't mean it's a bad wide receiver class. It just means that like we don't have any of that top, top elite talent that it feels like we've had for the last few years. Well, I also think that that's what I love about the draft, though, is that like who the fuck knows? Like how people what like right? Like how many people fall to the second round or? There's a, I mean, we can just go back to the fact of like, 
in the first rounds, you usually hit 50%, like we always talk about, but there are a lot of times where you have big, big swinging misses on players. And then like someone who's drafted a few picks behind him is like Justin Jefferson. Was it, what was he 17 or something? He ended up going like, if we redid that draft right now, he's top five every day, you know? So who knows? Like hopefully in Jigba can turn out to be one of those playmakers and something changes, but you, you never really know until, until it comes out. That's why I, I love this because the draft is so funny because no matter what happens, like I said, you can argue that it's going to be the best thing ever until the fall when you see the proof in the pudding and you actually have yeah. to go out and watch your team. Well, and I think if you look at the wide receivers that are in this class too, it's like I would put the over-under at like two and a half that would get drafted on night one. I'd agree. Right? Maybe even lower. Yeah, maybe like I, – yeah. I, I, I would take the over. I think it's likely we, say th- we see three. But we've also had four, five-plus wide receivers drafted in the first round of the last couple of years because there were guys who at least had that upside. Nothing against Jackson Smith and Jigba. He's a really solid player, but he's not Garrett Wilson. He's not Chris Olave. He's not Devontae. You know, he's built like Devontae. He's a little bigger, but basically this a very similar frame. He's not like, you know, but he's he doesn't have the ball skills. He doesn't have the route running. Doesn't mean he's not going to be a really, really good pro, right? There's I, I love him. I th- I think he's actually like I'm shocked that he's projected as low as he is, but we'll get into it in the draft. Yeah, and, and we will. And, but I'm, all I'm saying is just that like it does feel like part of what makes this draft a little different different is that we've gone three years in a row now of having these guys who it mm-hmm. feels like, man, these guys are like no doubt, like no brainer, like studs in the first round, even a guy like Jalen Rager, who was super explosive. It felt like that was the trend it was going, but this is where we almost don't give the NFL enough credit because it was like last year, right? We thought like, Hey, we don't love Malik Willis. We don't, you know, we like Kenny Pickett. We think he'll be a first round guy, you know, Matt Corral, these guys, all these quarterbacks. And we always think like, Hey, well, teams overdraft quarterbacks, but then all of a sudden it's word spreads. Right. And it's like, well, they're passing on Matt Corral. So like maybe we should pass on Matt Corral. And then next thing you know, he doesn't get drafted to the third round. Mm -hmm. And it seems like for the most important position, like quarterback that's happened last year. And now we're seeing it happen with wide receivers this year too, which just seems to be a little bit out of the ordinary, but the fact that we have likely to have four, I would say, again, the over-under for quarterbacks, I'd put at four and a half in the first round. I think there's four that will so solidly go in the first round and a fifth that might it, you know, fall in there. Uh, and we'll get into that as well. Um, it just, it, it's interesting, you know, it's sometimes, sometimes like last year, like the NFL, like I honestly like GMs, I think nailed the quarterback class last year. And you don't, you basically never say that anymore. Like no one ever says like, oh yeah, NFL GMs nailed the quarterback class because typically it's like less than 50-50 that they end up hitting on the guys that they draft. So there's a lot to get into. Um, And with that, let's take care of business. Let's start the uh, 2023 read option mock draft, third annual mock draft. Mm -hmm. This was one of the first things we did. I think we were like 25, 30 episodes in when we did this last year or or the first time. And now here we are coming up at almost 200 episodes uh, and we're coming back to it. So this is going to be fun. Uh, Like I said, I have the Eagles pick because they're my team. So I'll be drafting first overall, which will give me the 10th overall pick. Uh, But with that, that means that we do need to decide who's going to be drafting second and third and keeping that order for those who are new to the, to the podcast, we will have, uh, it will not be snake draft style. It will be, I will be one, whoever X two, Y three, and then I will go four again. 
So let's figure out who's drafting two, who's drafting three. We'll keep that order throughout the first round. Scotty and Vito, are we doing best two out of three? This is terrible for the listeners, but straight yeah, up. It's not good one, uh, for an audio yeah, format. One, one, one and the done. Marbles. I will color commentate this uh, th- uh, and uh, all other things. So Scotty, Vito, go ahead. Rock, paper, scissors when you're ready. Rock, rock paper, paper, scissors, paper, shoot. Scissors, shoot. Oh, it's Vito. Oh, Vito. Let's go. Now, Vito, I'll give you I will give you the option here since you won. Do you want the second pick or the third pick? I'll take two. Okay. I'll take two. Yeah, so yeah. Vito's gonna take two. So the draft order will be Scott, will be me, Vito, Scott, and then me again. And then we'll hold that order all oh, the way. Oh god, through. I have the Seahawks. Oh god. See, that's oh, even wait, no. better. No, no, um, I don't. Phew, I missed it. I miscount. Now we're not like, you know. Kuiper or McShay on this. Like we're not projecting what we think these teams are going to do. Ultimately it's going to be up to the discretion, right? Like if Vito is like, Hey, with the second overall pick, this is what I would do. And he wants to pick it. That's fine. If he goes, Hey, with the second overall pick, this is what I think the Texans are going to, are going to do. That's fine. But ultimately it's up to the person drafting to justify why they made that, whether it's what they think the team should do or whether it's what they think they would do. Uh, in years past, I think we always said like, Hey, this is what I would do. I like the idea of being like, look, this is what I think this team's going to do. Yeah. Uh, and if they happen to fall in line with each other, um, then that's what it will be. So, uh, with that, let's get the draft. The Carolina Panthers are on the clock with the first do, overall do, 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 pick do, 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 do. in the 2023 NFL draft. Me as the GM of the Carolina Panthers will be selecting Bryce Young. Chalk. Now. It, it feels like chalk based off it of is. what, based <laughs> off of what the current, like what over the last couple of weeks, like what's been coming out, um, it is the chalky pick. However, Thanks the reason, the reason I'm taking Bryce young here is because this is also what I would do. And it also comes with a shitload of concern. Um, I, I've said this, if Bryce young was two inches taller, this would be the easiest first overall pick in the history of the NFL draft. What Bryce young did at Alabama cannot be quantified by numbers or production or titles or anything else that he's done. Uh, he won a Heisman. Like he he's Bryce young carries a maturity with him at the quarterback position that does not exist for guys. Like even a guy like Trevor Lawrence who came in, like I loved Trevor Lawrence coming out. He was the no doubt number one overall pick deservedly. So Joe Burrow, same thing, right? Bryce young plays the position of, quarterback like a guy who's been playing in the nfl for 10 years he has a sense and ability it it feels so natural to him uh in a way that is just exceedingly rare but he's 511 you know and it's not just that he's 511 we've seen short guys go out and play well because 511 is generous he's probably closer to 59 510 the frame of Bryce Young is what concerns me. We talked about during the football season about Tua in the concussions and being able to you know, coming and getting thrown around like a rag doll. And yeah, Bryce Young's a slightly better athlete than Tua in terms of escapability. But I'm making this bet because what I've seen out of Bryce Young is something that does not exist in college quarterbacks. It's a feel and innate sensibility of the game that is so fucking rare and when it comes to playing the quarterback position he's you know in my opinion he's Andrew Luck but just at 5'10 and 190 pounds like that's what he is 
And I know he weighed in at like 207 or whatever it was when he weighed in. He weighed in over 200 pounds. Great. Ton of water weight. When he steps on the field, he's going to be 190 pounds dripping wet. Right. And yet. When you watch the film, it's impossible to see anything other than a dude who just knows how to play football in a level like there's this feel with him when to get the check down stuff out. Like one of the things I love about him and when you watch his tape, it's the quick throws. It's the what I call like the no, the no laces throws. Right. When he gets the ball off the snap, he knows that the pressure is coming from. He gets it out immediately, slings it to a, a, a wide receiver on a quick slant or on a bubble screen, gets it in their hands and lets them go make plays. He just gets it in a way that it's hard to quantify. You can't quantify it. He just sees the game in the way that a 10-year NFL vet wishes they saw when he was a rookie, and Bryce Young can see it as a rookie. Whether or not that translates with the physical tools, the arm's not incredible, but it's good enough. You know, after seeing what Jalen did, who had a, le- a worse arm than Bryce Young, like I love Bryce Young from a leadership standpoint, from a personality standpoint. The body shape scares the shit out of me. And I even went out as far as to say a couple months ago that I didn't think we would, that any of these quarterbacks would end up being really good studs. But if there's one guy that I would bet my money on, it's Bryce Young. So I'm taking him with the first overall pick. Yeah. I think it's, it's money fair. in the bank. Yeah. <clears throat> but to me, it's, it's the upside of, of him. And that's exactly what you touched on. Jeff was, is the, the, stuff you can't coach the intangible stuff the things that make him the great quarterback uh that we saw in college yeah the size is an issue obviously in the nfl the game's faster the guys are bigger and stronger but you can't teach that and this is the biggest home run swing of home run swings in the draft is going out and getting this guy for the future and and look if you're the carolina panthers you traded a ton of assets to move up to this spot right so if you're gonna if you're going to make that big of a swing to get to this spot you better sure make sure that you make a big enough swing to make it worth it. And I think Bryce Young's the guy to do that. All right. All right. Second pick Houston Texans on the clock. All right. So the Texans, what I would do if I were the Texans um, and what I think they should do is go ahead and get CJ Stroud. I think that, Listen, you, you've been playing with Davis Mills, who's a third rounder a couple of years ago. That's nice and everything, but you have this, you're not in this spot for, as a fluke. You want to try and move out of this spot. You can go on the defensive side, which a lot of people have, have you know, kind of shown, but I, I like CJ Stroud a lot, a lot. And I think that if you have the number two overall pick, think about this, right? I think about this a lot. Teams will go and have a bad year and Still end up with like, like I wouldn't say any of us thought that the Falcons had a great year. They have the eighth overall pick. You can't get a quarterback in that. So you can have a bad year and still not have the ability to get an elite quarterback. So when you have the chance, I think you have to do it. And I, that's why I think that they should go CJ Stroud. I loved him at Ohio state. The dude, like, yeah, he played with a lot of people who, you know, got open, but he, he, when he was on, you could argue that he was the best college football player in the last two years. Um, from a quarterback perspective, I, I still think Bryce Young is better, but I'm just saying it's in the argument. He's clearly, uh, you know, the number two quarterback on a lot of people's boards. Um, I personally really, really like him. Uh, I thought he was somehow got not overlooked in this process, but we heard a lot about obviously young and how amazing he is. And then we heard a lot about, you know, uh, 
Anthony Richardson, Will Levis. But I think this guy is just someone who's going to get drafted and be solid. So I'm going to go ahead and say C.J. Stroud for Texas. Now, before we – because I want to talk about the C.J. Stroud thing as well. Um, what do you think the Houston Texans are going to do? I, I think they're going to do this. I, I would do it. I think that – I'm very confident that I would do this. I think there's like a 50% chance they go this or 50% chance they just go ahead and just take like Will Anderson, who apparently they've met with like – he's the only guy they've met with twice or more in yeah. the whole draft process. So like seems to be like Will Anderson's there. But we've seen crazier stuff come out of the draft. And, and I just think that Davis Mills did okay. Um, but I don't, I don't know how much faith – you know, when you have a new coach, it's always harder, too, coming in. Yeah. Like, does he believe in that guy? What's that like? So that's why I'm going C.J. Stroud. I agree with you 100%. If I'm the Texans, I'm taking C.J. Stroud. I love C.J. Stroud. He's the first uh, Ohio State quarterback that I, I love. Um, I'll put my hand up that there are definitely things I missed on Justin Fields. I still have questions about Justin Fields. Uh, Vito, I know you and I went back and forth a lot during that. That was the first time we ever did this was the Justin mm. Fields draft. Um, and there's a lot of stuff I like about him. I have questions. Um, and it's not that I write off all Ohio State quarterbacks, but what C.J. Stroud showed in that CFP semifinal, the country World playoff game, like it, it completely changed the way I viewed C.J. Stroud. It, it, it really did. And I get like don't fall in love with one game, value the whole body of work. I do, but also like when I see the the guts, the grittiness, and it's the same thing that we talked about with Justin Fields, where I was like, I get how he looked in that game against Clemson and getting the liver shot and still staying in the whole game and all that other stuff, but it was the body of work that threw me off with Justin Fields. I don't want to make the same mistake because I think CJ Stroud's a much better passer than Justin Fields was. Um, and, and I think there's something about CJ Stroud that it, I see I see it more with him. Um, and, and I think that that passing game, they, they've evolved it as time has gone on, losing yeah. two years in a row to Michigan. There's something about CJ Stroud that I just I, I genuinely just I love like I, there's a, there's like an it factor with him. To me, he should be the no doubt like second overall pick in this draft. I think he's clearly the second best quarterback prospect prospect in this draft. Um, but I the one thing I will disagree with you on is I do not think the Houston Texans are going to take a quarterback here. Um there's too much smoke about the the weirdness that's going on. And look, we've seen plenty of smoke screens that's come out ultimately for a team to just draft a player that everybody thought they should take anyway. But yeah, right. Like it seems like it happens every year, but with the Texans, uh, there seems to be a lot of stuff here. And, and, and maybe it's Drake may next year, maybe it's CJ, uh, uh, Caleb Williams, who seems to be the clear guy, like one of those two guys next year, go get a stud like Will Anderson, which, it's crazy to me that Will Anderson has become like the safe pick. Cause like Will Anderson's so fucking good. And all you have to do is go put on the tape from, from 2021 when they just let him be an outside edge rusher this past year, they asked him to do way more, both in coverage, both as just a pure linebacker. And then when they let him wreak havoc, he still wreaked havoc. He had, the 2021 season, I, I fought on this podcast saying he is the Heisman. Like no, no shame against Bryce Young. Will Anderson should have won the Heisman that year. He was the best player in college football, wasn't even close. Will Anderson's an amazing player. He doesn't fit traditionally with what, you know, D'Amico Ryans likes to do. Tyree Wilson, the, the guy out of Texas Tech, fits more of that style with what he worked with at San Francisco. They're going to end up taking one of those two guys. Um, but C.J. Stroud, I think if you're Houston, 
don't wait. You never know what's going to happen. You don't know if Drake yeah. may or Caleb Williams tears an ACL next year. Go get your guy. I love the pick with, with you, Vito. I'm 100% behind you. I think she just shows the pick. Anything to yeah, add on I, that, Scotty? I, no, I just uh, – like it, it, the the game that you cited, that it, the college football playoff game, that was the game of C.J. Stroud's career. He needs to do that every week because we've seen I've, – I've watched him play in games. I think of Northwestern in particular, even the, uh, the Penn State game this year, where it's just a slow start and it was a good pass rush and they're not – he's not good at, uh, at getting out of the pocket and, and using his legs, which he's very good at against an elite pass rush and that's going to be a problem so everything else is there the the arm strength the the progression reads everything's there he just needs to be more complete every week well and that's what's hard too with cj stroud is that like when you when you watch him in that game against georgia it's like look at this point there's no other next week you win this game or you're gone or you're done right right? so it's like in that game they let cj stroud scramble make plays and he had that like gamer mode flipped on it's like there is no next week we don't know you know northwestern's not coming to town next week we're not going to play penn state next week like none of that was coming right you have to show up and 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 ball out here else we're not going to be there and when his back was against the wall we saw that version of him and the problem with a lot of these draft things with quarterbacks is you don't know how much of that was Ohio State telling him, hey, stay in the pocket, don't risk injury, hang around here, we need you later in the season for that moment, versus is that just who he is? And that's where these mm-hmm. teams do their research. They talk to the college coaches. They ask them directly, was this part of the game plan? Or you know, were you holding him back? Because he's a good enough athlete to do that. I mean, he's a better – he played like Dwayne Haskins – but he's somewhere between Dwayne Haskins and Justin Fields. He's not as good a, a, an athlete as Justin Fields, but he's a better athlete than Dwayne Haskins was. And he kind of played in between those guys. And athletically, he can do more. So I'm with you. All right, Scotty, third pick in the draft, Arizona Cardinals. Uh, Who are you taking? I, let me start with, I do think they trade this pick. Agreed. Uh, I, I do, especially if, uh, if, like you said, Will Anderson goes off the board. I don't think they're, they're obviously not taking a quarterback. So I think it makes the most sense to, to trade this pick. But I do think they take, and you talked about him. I, I'm going to go with Will Anderson, the, uh, the edge rusher out of Alabama. Uh, just like you said, you, you said all there needed to be said about him, man. He's, he's just an elite athlete. Uh, he's got everything in his bag of tricks. Uh, he's good in, in, in run stop. He's good in, at rushing the quarterback. He can do it all. And uh, the Cardinals need something like that on, on the defensive end. Um, they got a lot of holes, man, but, but you got to go out and get the, the most elite pass rusher, uh, to start that, that defense off, especially in that division who's pass happy and, uh, and loves to, to get the ball moving. Yeah. I, I love everything about Will Anderson. Like I, I already made the case. I mean, for him, when we were talking about Houston, I I just, I, I love everything about his game. He, I mean, and, and I think Arizona is a good fit for him defensively. Uh, Jonathan Gannon, now the, the, the head coach there, um, the defense they're going to run, it, they're going to be able to line him up on that outside edge rush guy. You know, I, I, they're not going to use him like a son Reddick. They're going to use him more like a, a Brandon Graham type. Cause when you look at his advanced numbers, they slid him down to three technique and he's, he's still, he still wreaks havoc. Even it's, when he's it's in Von Miller in, in 2.0. Yeah. I mean, he he can be, but I also honestly I think he's more multidimensional than Von Miller was even coming out of college. Like he can play the inside, like Von Miller with his size, like he can hand fight and did that stuff coming out of Texas A&M. But Will Anderson, 
he doesn't have the length and the body shape that Tyree Wilson has, but what he does have is just an, an, an unrelenting motor. Um, I love him. I, I, I think it's crazy that we're at this point where we're talking about him as a safe peck because I think all, all everything considered, I, I think he's going to come in to be an immediate impact player for them uh, wherever he ends up. And I think he's going to be really, really fucking good. So I, I love Will Anderson. All right. He's just, yeah. yeah. I don't have much to add to that. He's a stud. Yeah. He's an absolute stud. I, he, I get why. Cause it's like, he's the safe pick because he's the one that, you know, he's going to come in and start day one. Um, yeah. But what I hate about calling somebody a safe pick is that it feels like you're limiting what their ceiling is going to be. And when I look at Will Anderson, I'm like, this dude has a chance to be like an elite of elite pass pass rusher. Mm -hmm. Um, he just has so much in his bag, you know, I, he's got, he's not the most physically dominant guy, um, but he's going to be an absolute monster. So I love it. Uh, all right. That brings me up with the Indianapolis Colts with the fourth overall pick. I go, I, I was trying to think earlier when I realized how we were doing the draft order where I'd lean on this and I'm, I'm going to decide to follow the smoke from what I've heard. And I think, I think what the Colts are going to do is what I'm going to pick with my pick. And I think it's going to be Will Levis. Um, mm. This is not who I would take here. Um, I think Will Levis is a, a really interesting prospect in that he's got a ton of arm strength. Um, he seems to be really liked, you know, he's been in a couple of different spots really flourished at Kentucky, basically had nothing. But if you're the Colts and you're making this pick, you're hoping he's Josh Allen, right? You're hoping you're getting this big physical freak who can sling the ball all over the place, had an amazing junior year, and then lost all of the talent around him. Uh, that mm-hmm. offensive line at Kentucky was horrendous his senior year. And uh, a lot of the issues that that Kentucky team had did not fall on the shoulders of Will Levis. But – he says all the right things. He does all the right things, right? Like if you're Will Levis, like he takes the blame for losses that aren't his. Um, he eats from bananas a, weird. So he does. And he puts mayo in his coffee, which is, is super weird. That's a sin. Um, yeah. Um, but the, the positives of Will Levis is he's got a super quick release. He is a big athlete. Um, you know, he, he's not quite the running mobile athlete that a guy like Josh Allen is, but he can do that stuff when you need him to. Um, it, it's just so he's, he's in a weird spot. He is. I'm not going to lie. Um, he's not my, but he's, pick. he's a Shane Steichen quarterback, like for sure. <laughs> like I mean, the he, big mobile guy with a good arm. Like, yeah. And, and that's ultimately the thing. And that's why I like it. Look, if I'm the Colts, I'm taking Anthony Richardson here. And I still stand. Anthony Richardson was a bad college quarterback last year. He was terrible. Like we can look up. I always love like when I turn on ESPN the last couple of like weeks when they're like really dialing into the draft and like, you know, they, they cherry pick the one stat. Cause it's always like Bryce young Heisman winner in 2021 CJ Stroud back-to-back Heisman runner up. And then it's like, Will Levis, you know, led the S was third in the sec in completion percentage, you know, and, and uh, Anthony Richardson, you know, it's like, so you have all these, these cherry pick stats that they put up there to have next to their name. I will Levis, I think will be good in a Shane Steichen offense. But the reason it's like, look, if you're drafting a guy like Shane Steichen, you go out, you sign Gardner Minshew, right? You have Sam Ellinger who started a couple games. The Colts are going to be bad this year. They just are uh, go ahead and start. Gardner Minshew for a year 
the upside with Anthony Richardson is a guy who could change your entire organization. The downside of drafting Anthony Richardson is that he's going to have to sit for a long fucking time in order for him to be a viable NFL quarterback because he was bad last year. Objectively, inarguably bad. He made plays that made you drop your jaw. And when you look at Anthony Richardson and his mobile ability, you think, okay, hey, if we wanted him to come in and start in week one, we can do the same stuff with him that we did with Jalen Hurts, and he'll be able to run for 700 yards, and he could be a Justin Fields-type player. No doubt he could. But if you want him to be Patrick Mahomes, which he has the ability to do, as McShay has been telling this story on every podcast he's been on, that, you know, Mahomes. Holmes couldn't identify the Mike linebacker halfway through his, his rookie year in the NFL still like that's the level of raw that we're getting with Anthony Richardson. So it's going to take time and you need somebody who can at least start for a season and you need an organization who's going to be willing to do that. And I think with the quarterback roulette, the Colts have had, if they want a long-term solution at the quarterback position, you draft Anthony Richardson, you force him to sit for a year. But if you're Jim Irsay, who's an irrational owner, who wants to see a quarterback who can come in and produce immediately, you are better off drafting Will Levis, who will come in in Shane Steichen's offense and be a decent to somewhat productive quarterback, probably very similar to Kenny Pickett. He'll win a couple games. He'll look kind of gritty doing it. He'll make a couple diving plays at the goal line that we all like, oh, man, this guy's toughness. He'll do anything to win a game and the social media shit will go nuts for that's the guy you pick. And ultimately, Jim Mercer as the owner will have the nod. And I think his impatience as the owner of the team will ultimately get in the way of that. That's why I have him taking Will Levis. Though, so if I was the Colts, you have a good enough backup who would be a backup anywhere else, but good enough to start in Gardner Minshew and Sam Ellinger. You run it out. You let Anthony Richardson develop. Uh, I don't think they're going to do that. And I end up thinking that they roll with what the owner is going to want, which it will be Will Levis. So. That's my rationale. I, I like it. <clears throat> well, I don't like the pick. I like the rationale, uh, <laughs> which I think is important. Um, no, I mean, listen, I mean, we saw him early on in his career. He definitely, I mean, it's just, it's a bummer to see what hit this last year was for him just because of your, all the talent that left and like changing coordinators, all that stuff. So I, I think that if you're putting on tape and you didn't go back multiple years, you didn't do well, Levis justice. That's just the truth. Um, and you know, he's played a lot more football, but to your point, like he's played a lot more football than Anthony Richardson. And, sure and has. I think that's important to know too. So I'm up now with five uh, with the Seahawks. So this threw me for a little loop here because I'm going to explain my rationale. I think Seahawks, I don't know if this is just because I've seen in a few places, whatever it is, but in my opinion, you know, having – what people think maybe the best player in the draft fall to you in Jalen Carter is probably where they're going to go at defensive tackle. Um, I, I really want to say that if I were them, I, I mean, this could be an Anthony Richardson landing spot just because they have a guy who's actually like, listen, we all really liked Gino's year last year. And that was awesome to see, but I don't know if they believe in him as for like the next 10, seven years, or is this like a two to three year thing? Right. I mean, he, he he's not the youngest guy anymore. So this also is a spot where you could have Anthony Richardson go sit for two to three years and then, and then play. So I'm going to go Jalen Carter, but uh, very hard to not pick Anthony Richardson there. I think Jalen Carter is the right pick here. Personally, um, 
I I thought for a while, like I I think Anthony Richardson makes a ton of sense because when you look at the Geno Smith contract, it's a one year deal. You know, when it's really broken down to right, if if they want to get out of that deal after one year, they could. Um, Gino feels like a really good transition guy, but at the same time, you look at that Seattle team, what got that Seattle team to the playoffs last year, right? It was defense. It was a ton of young guys overperforming for what they were for their age. Those guys, even though losing some of the key guys in that coaching staff, they're still going to be really, really solid. Uh, and I think that ultimately adding a guy like Jalen Carter versus someone like Anthony Richardson, again, look, if, if Gino's, decent next year and you have a better young defense you can still go ahead and trade up you can spend the assets if you want to go move up to the top three and draft a quarterback next year if you want uh but i think jalen carter solidifies that defense as being a really really nasty defense you're giving him a a career lifer in the game of football like pete carroll who has experience working with guys who you know might have had some off the field trouble uh i think it's a great fit i think it makes a lot of sense i think the seahawks take Jalen Carter. And if I'm the Seahawks, I probably lean taking uh, Jalen Carter as well, though. It, I go back and forth between him and Anthony Richardson a ton. So I like the pick veto. Yeah, me too. That's that's where I would have gone if you hadn't taken him. <clears throat> uh, that's where I would have gone next. But uh, for, for the Seahawks, that was that was their big bugaboo, man. I, and they have another pick in this first round. Um, but the development on the defensive line needs uh, needs to get needs to get cleaned up a little bit i should say they're they're a pretty good team and and that was that was one of the strengths of of when they were good not only that that secondary in the legion of boom but being able to make a push on the on the defensive line and this jalen carter is probably the best graded uh according to like pff player in this in this entire yeah. draft um his combine numbers were insane um obviously the 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 running with the with the law that has since worked itself out is what uh, is is causing him to tumble a little bit here um, to five, and I think you know this is one of the best interior offense or defensive lineman uh, prospects that we've seen. I mean, Quinton Williams was is another one that comes to mind that just uh, the numbers were off the charts, and he's he's had a great couple of years here in the in the NFL. I think this is a great pick, and I think Jalen Carter is better than Quinton Williams, yeah. Derek Brown, Jordan Davis. Like name name oh, yeah. your interior defensive lineman from the last five years. Jalen Carter is a better prospect than all those guys. So and I mean, thanks for making me do the pick that the Broncos traded to the Seahawks. Hey, <laughs> we we wanted to make sure that well, you could. Have I would lost. love to have him. I, could you? I, this would be wild if the Broncos got Jalen Carter. It's a very Broncos pick. Yeah. Oh, I mean, God, it, we can at least say that you did actually make the Broncos pick. We can say that, right? Yeah, so we're yeah. we're staying true to format here on the pod. <laughs> uh, all right, Scotty's up number six overall with the Detroit Lions. Yeah, just got rid of Jeff Akuda. They're going to need to replace that secondary. So they're going to go with Devin Witherspoon out of Illinois, uh, the cornerback. He's the best cornerback on my board, if you're counting them as true cornerbacks. More on that later in the draft. I think a little teaser from an Alabama guy. Uh, but uh, Devin Witherspoon's great, uh, phenomenal, long-armed, skinny. But uh, he's got some issues holding, which I think uh is is a common theme among the uh the cornerbacks here at the top that you'll see um so that that could be an issue but uh the other issue is that he's really only had the a, a, been a one-year wonder uh at illinois so uh we'll see if he can continue that production and that development but going to a place like like detroit who has just turned around their defense over the past few years um i, I think is a good spot for him and i think he'll be able to fit in nicely in that system uh 
Yeah, Devin Witherspoon. That's all I got. He's, like I said, best best cornerback on the board for me right now. He's number one on my board for cornerbacks. Um, plays with an absolute like aggressive physical nature that you just love from cornerbacks. Reminds me um, mentality wise a little bit of Sauce Gardner from last year. I, you know, and, and just again, annoying. Like, like a, yeah, yeah. I, and he's just he's just good. He's physical. He's long. Um, from a coverage perspective, he's he's really really good. Uh, I'm a huge fan. I, I, again, like I, I cannot, I cannot say enough. I think the top two corners in this, uh, draft are equal, like pretty close to me. I think they're different styles, him and Christian Gonzalez. Um, but I also had Devin Witherspoon as number one on my board. So, uh, I'm a huge fan. I think it's a good pick. Uh, you know, again, like that's what the Lions have done, right? The offense has been good. They have talent across the roster on offense. The offensive line's been really good. So you look at that defense after the Akuta trade, and you go, all right, who are they going to, you know, where do they look at this point? Um, the holes, where you're going to draft the number six, it's probably a cornerback. Uh, and I think there's a good chance they uh, trade this pick, maybe move back to that, like, 10 to 15 range and maybe pick up some assets. That's what I would do if I yeah, were the Lions. For a, a quarterback needy team that's not that doesn't want to get out of the race um, after three have gone off the board. Yeah. Um, and especially if somebody has fallen in love with uh you know Anthony Richardson, which there are definitely teams that have. Um, but Detroit, I, I think based off of the way we set this up, I think that's a good pick, Scotty. Thank you. Yeah. Anything to add there, Vito? No, no, no. I'm I'm uh <clears throat> Sorry, I'm ready. Other ones, but yeah. I think it's a safe, not safe, but I think it's it, it's when talent matches need, and yeah. when that happens, it's kind of a no. Those usually work out. Yeah, no question. Um, all right, so that brings me up with uh, the Las Vegas Raiders at number seven, and this is where we see the fourth quarterback get taken off the board. This is where Anthony Richardson should go. And this is a me pick. This is not what I think the Raiders are going to do. This is what I think the Raiders should do. If you are Josh McDaniels, you are uh, a coach that is now on his second opportunity as a head coach. Uh, And frankly, you've flat out underperformed. Um, And part of that's because, you know, you, you went on a hot streak with Tim Tebow when you were in Denver you had uh, Jay Cutler, which we know is not the easiest quarterback to work with. But more importantly, let's look at right now what the Raiders did. And that's they went out and signed Jimmy Garoppolo. They go out and they get Jimmy G to come in. Everybody and their sister knows that the Raiders are not winning jack shit with Jimmy Garoppolo. But what Jimmy Garoppolo can be uh, is take a healthy payday after getting a major contract, a guy who's made uh, in terms of just on paper money uh, close to $200 million in his career, and say, hey, you're going to be Alex Smith 2.0. You're going to sit in here while I take this raw, completely unpredictable prospect who has unbelievable talent, and you're going to hold in here, and you're going to help me teach him. You're going to be our starter this year, and there's a good chance you're going to start next season as the starter, but at some point, Anthony Richardson's going to come in. And a bigger point of this, too, if we're looking at the macro, is that the Raiders need this, okay? They made the move to Las Vegas. They built the multi-billion dollar stadium. They created the the Roomba in the desert or the Death Star in the desert, whatever you want to call it. They've done this and they need somebody to be the lightning rod that pulls these guys and this fan base in. And they haven't had that. Like a Derek Carr or? Yeah, Uh, they haven't had that. They just haven't. They've had Derek Carr. That hasn't worked out. Now they go out and they sign Jimmy G. 
this is the time if you are the Las Vegas Raiders to go out and get a guy who could potentially be a game changer for you. You have a coach who has a history of developing quarterbacks. You have a quarterback who is on his most likely last starting quarterback contract in the NFL. Take it while you have it. Let Jimmy G set the example and let Anthony Richardson learn. Because what is Jimmy G really good at, right? The pre-snap, quick throw, reading defenses, knowing where the easy throw is. That's what Anthony Richardson needs. The rest of it is up to Anthony Richardson for what he needs to do. But you have a quarterback in there that, assuming Jimmy G is at least willing to be like, hey, you have every chance to be our starter this year. You're going to be our starter this year. Go win us as many games as you can and get a big contract after that. But he signed a two-year deal that the Raiders can jump off of if they need to after that, just like the Kansas City Chiefs did with Alex Smith and Patrick Mahomes. It's the perfect spot. I, the Raiders should draft Anthony Richardson because that fan base needs it. That new city needs it. Mark Davis needs it. It's the perfect spot. The Raiders take Anthony Richardson. You're right. It's a perfect pairing. I, I love it. I think this is the best place for him to – one of the best places he could end up. Um, without the pressure, you know you're not going to start this year. And, and if you do, Garoppolo gets hurt. it's less pressure. It's not like, Oh, we needed you up there because the quarterback was performing poorly. So I I love this. I love this pick. If, um, but uh, look, I understand the, the rationale. It makes sense, but you have so many other needs on defense. You just talked about Christian, uh, Christian Gonzalez, a cornerback. Why aren't you going there or, or, uh, or offensive line? I mean, look that, I mean, that's fair. Don't get me wrong. Like Tyree Wilson's on the board, Devin, uh, Christian, Gonzalez offensive line, Peter Skaranis, uh, Skaronsky and, uh, the, uh, the kid out of, uh, Ohio state, uh, Paris Johnson, you know, like there, there are people there that are make sense. Um, but ultimately none of it matters if you don't have the quarterback plus that quarterback's going to be sitting for a year anyway. So you'll be able to go out and get somebody in next year's draft, probably in a similar, you know, situation. So, uh, all right. Uh, Vito, you're up eighth pick the Atlanta Falcons. All right, so for the Falcons, I'm going to hit Tyree Wilson. I mean, if he's still available here, you know, I think you just you grab a great defensive player who, listen, he's a beast off the edge. I think that uh, anyone who has him, like we said, he he could really go to a couple different teams even before this. So um, if they're waiting around and, and he falls, I mean, I, I think um, there's a couple different grades on him, but he's he's definitely in the top five for a lot of folks. So it's it's pretty cool to see. Uh, if he could fall and, and get this spot, that'd be awesome. I, yeah, I, I think it's a great pick. Um, he's crazy, man. He's so long. He's got a seven yeah. foot wingspan. Um, the separation he has the, he's crazy raw. Right. And mm-hmm. again, this Atlanta team, I mean, they're, they could go up and try to go after a quarterback if they wanted to. Um, you can't roll them out, but it feels like they're kind of going to roll in with Desmond Ritter and see what happens. So. Um, the offense is actually pretty solid. You have Kyle Pitts, you have Drake London, uh, you know, uh, you have uh, what's his name? Uh, the the running uh, Algier, uh, Algier mm-hmm. from uh, BYU last year. You have Cordell Patterson. Like the offense was relatively productive given every given the quarterback situation between Mariota and then uh, obviously. Um, uh, Desmond Ritter last year, the defense needs a lot of help, you know? So if I'm Atlanta, I'm looking at offensive line or defensive line in this draft. Uh, and I think at this point, the best prospect still on the table is Tyree Wilson, who, uh, you know, can be an absolute game wrecker. I mean, he's, he's so yeah. long 
it's it's nuts. It's really, really nuts. So um, I like the pick. I like the pick a lot. All right, Scotty, you have the Chicago Bears at number nine. Uh, yeah. A lot of places they could go here, both of their defense, which have done a lot of work on in the offseason uh, here in free agency. Uh, I think this is a spot now where the board is falling, where you take the best tackle on the board to help protect your quarterback, uh, who, you know, we're going to see a, a side of Justin Fields potentially that we've never seen. You could go weapon at wide receiver, help him out there. I, I don't think, I think it's a little high for that right now, truthfully. Um, so I'm going to go tackle, take the best tackle on the board. And that's the guy who played in front of Justin Fields for a while. That's Paris Johnson Jr. out of Ohio State. Uh, I, I just think he, you could go Skaronsky here. That's, that's a safe pick because he can play all across the line. But uh, he's, he's, Paris Johnson has every physical box you take at the check at the tackle position. Uh, he's great at, at, at run blocking. He's great at pass blocking, uh, but particularly good at, at moving across the line and upfield as well. Then that'll help, uh, that'll help Justin Fields uh, when he escapes the pocket and starts running, uh, as we've seen him do uh, very adeptly over the last season. So Paris Johnson Jr. Uh, I think I, I agree completely. Um, it, Paris Johnson Jr. reminds me a little bit of uh, like Andrew Thomas a couple of years ago. Remember when the Giants took him like fourth overall? Mm-hmm. Um, because there were better offensive linemen in that class, right? And and I agree. I think Skronsky is a better offensive lineman. But, you know, he – Paris Johnson's the guy who when he develops, he will be a pure tackle. And Skronsky's a guy that, hey, you can put him at tackle. You can shift him down to guard. He can kind of play a bunch of things. Better now, I think Paris Johnson with his frame, his size, the dude's an absolute monster when it comes to his physical attributes. Uh, I think he's the guy that, you know, will he come in immediately and be really, really good? Probably not. Um, but he played in the Big Ten. He's gone up against elite-level pass rushers. He's gone up against Aiden Hutchinson. He's gone up against, you know, some of these dudes in, in, in the Big Ten. And, and I think he's going to be used to it. Um, but also I, I think if you're the bears, what you want at that left tackle spot is you want a pure tackle, right? You want that like purebred, you know, Mustang kind of guy. And, and I think that's what Paris Johnson is. Whereas Skronsky, you know, if you're a team like Atlanta and you're, if you're, if you're Atlanta and you're being like, Hey, I want an offensive lineman here. Like, this is where I'm taking an O lineman. You take Skronsky because you know he's going to come in and be really good, whether he's playing guard, whether he's playing tackle, might be playing a little bit above his weight at tackle. Paris Johnson's the guy you draft and go, this guy's going to be, it might take a year to fully get him there or an Andrew Thomas's year, two and a half years to get him there. But yeah. once he's there, he's going to be an all pro type of guy. And that's what Andrew Thomas and I think that's what we're going to see out of Paris Johnson. So I think it's a good pick, Scotty. I like that's where I would have gone to with Chicago. Same. I, I, well, I would have done that, or or to your point, uh, went ahead and got one of his other teammates that would help him out at wide receiver, but uh, we'll see. Yeah, yeah. I feel like Ohio State's going to be the pick there either way for Chicago. All right, and that brings me to 10. We'll take a quick break after this before we get to the rest of it to wrap out the top 10. But the Philadelphia Eagles, Eagles pick Jeffrey. at the top <laughs> 10. And I – in my gut, I still think they're going to trade out of this pick. But I get to play GM for a second. And with the 10th overall pick, the Philadelphia Eagles are going to select B. John Robinson, running back out of Texas. Had to be. Yeah. And, and what's crazy is, like, when this first started happening and, like, the rumblings about this started coming up, I was like, there's no way in hell 
Howie Roseman is drafting, uh, let alone at number 10, let alone Bijan Robinson. Now, knowing Howie, he's going to trade back to 15 and still get Bijan at 15 because that's what <laughs> Howie Roseman does. But there's been some interesting scuttle around the Eagles organization over the last couple of days about Bijan specifically and how Bijan basically pitched himself to Howie saying, I want to come play here. You're not drafting a running back. You're drafting a difference maker. And then Howie in his pre-draft press conference talking about we're looking for unique guys. And when you look at Bijan Robinson, he is a better prospect. Don't get mad at me than Saquon. He's a better prospect than Ezekiel he's, Elliott. Yeah. He's, he's the generational. Best He's the best running back prospect since Adrian Peterson, and it's not even close. He right now is top 20 in yards per catch in the FBS last year. This is a running back averaging 17 yards per catch. He's an absolute freak. He can do everything. He's Jamar Jamar Gibbs, who is a stud too, and will probably go at the back end of the first round or early second round, but he's built like a brick shithouse. He's awesome. In every facet of the world. And, and, and when you look at the Eagles, let's live in a world with it. You know, for a fact, the Eagles are drafting 10th overall. Where do they go? Do you do you go out and, and reach for a defensive end? Because at this point with Tyree Wilson off the board and obviously with Will Anderson off the board and Jalen Carter off the board, you're not taking any of the DNs after those guys at number 10, right? Are you taking an offensive tackle? Well, my lot is locked up for three years. Lane Johnson's locked up for three more years. The rest of the offensive line, other than Kelsey's locked up for three years. And you still have uh, the, the rookie out of Nebraska from last year, whose name is escaping Cam, me. Thank you. Cam yeah. Jurgens. Cam Jurgens. So you still have Cam Jurgens to take over for Kelsey. Who's probably going to be our starting guard next year. They can go find a guard in free agency. Cornerback uh, Christian Gonzalez is still on the board. Well, they end up bringing back both Bradbury and Darius Slay. So then what does leap safety? You're not drafting branch this early at number 10. You're not drafting Jackson Smith and Jigba at 10 when you already have AJ Brown and Devonte Smith. So where do you go? You're not drafting linebacker this high. If you're just looking on in a world where it's forced on it, this is the logical pick, but it's also the one that when you're the Eagles and you put yourself in a position that has worked out so well, where you got this extra draft pick and you hit on Hertz and you have Hertz locked up, you're going to get five years of Bijan Robinson before you'd even remotely think about paying him. In which case the Eagles probably wouldn't pay him. It makes a painful amount of sense, which is why I know the Eagles aren't going to do it, but goddamn, if you put Bijan Robinson next to Jalen Hurts and his ability to catch a ball in the backfield, line up in the slot, run the option, re- read options with him. It's 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 a it's an offense that I honestly believe, and this is sounds hyper hyperbolic. It's more dangerous than any Patrick Mahomes offense, even with even with Mahomes and Kelsey, which I would put those two over any combination. Uh. If you're giving me Hertz, AJ Brown, Devontae Smith, Dallas Goddard, Bijan Robinson, and that offensive line. That is better than any version of the Kansas City Chiefs offense this year. And you can make the argument that last year the Eagles offense was just as good. And now mm-hmm. you're going to put Bijan Robinson in there. I know I have to eat words because I've said it on this podcast so many times. You don't draft running backs in the first round. And I know I'm being hyper like, hypocritical with this. But if you're the Eagles, this is why you make trades to get a luxury pick where you can afford to do this. And he is different. He's and and in today's day and age, getting him a ten, 
I feel like it has to, it has to be the move. It has to be. And I'm willing it because Bijan next to Jalen Hurts will ruin people's lives forever. And I need it. I need that in my life it's, right now. It's always like interesting. You think about how after you lock up your quarterback, what is the sort of team you build around? And they got Devontae before they locked up um, Jalen Hurts even. They have Dallas Goddard there. The O-line had been shored up. The defense had mostly been shored up. And the biggest move they made was A.J. Brown after that. Now it's like you've locked up Jalen Hurts. How are you going to continue to build around? You don't need to do a ton of building. Bijan Robinson does that for you. And, you know, you go through this draft process and you do all the prep like like we do for the show. And usually you're looking at all this analysis. It's like, here are like six good things about him. Here are three negative things about him. There's not even three negative things about about B. John Robinson to stop start. He's so fast. He's, I mean, he's, he's, he's a top three prospect yeah, for, for his position. Good. Like he's just a top three prospect in terms of rating. And, 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 and all of the, the th- he's definitely top 10 and it warrants the top 10 pick um, to be sure. Just there's so many good attributes about him. He's low on the ground. He looks like a Derrick Henry or Ladanian Tomlinson type of runner uh, with his with his ability to cut and stop and start. Uh, I I I love it. I, he's a three down back, a true three down back, and catch the ball out of the backfield better than anyone in this draft class uh, at at the running back position. And I I just think that like that's that's just a home run pick if you if you make it, especially in that offense. I think you're right that really, if you look at this first round, they're one of the only teams, probably the only team that makes sense to take this leap this early because they had the luxury. But I think if, if this all went the way it went um, in our mock, I think it's hard to look past Nolan Smith at linebacker. I think that that's the only one if it falls to you, because if you look at the Eagles, that's really like, that's it. It's, it's really like a safety and we'll see what happens later in this round. And then, uh, you know, maybe some help at linebacker, but linebacker is also tough to come in and start right away. And they obviously got a, what's his name from Georgia last the Kobe year. Dean and yeah. yeah. And so you might have some guys that are bulking up, getting ready to play anyway. So um, help if you're going to take a risk, it's good to take it uh, when you know that you have another first rounder and that your team just made the Super Bowl. So, and, and yeah. again, for the record, I think the Eagles will trade out of this. i knowing Howie, knowing what he does, but also you can get best of both worlds. Like you said, I think the, there's a world where you can trade out of this pick and let back in the first round and still get Bijan. And my fear is just that you have the Texans sitting at 12, which an organization who has nothing going for them, likely not going to draft a quarterback in the first, but their second running overall back. pick, but they would draft a running back. So that way they can sell tickets, you know, like that, that is a realistic thing that happens, you know, like, and ultimately, he raises the floor of any offense. Like, he is that good. Um, I mean, in my mind, he's Najee Harris and Austin Eckler had a baby. And his name is Bijan Robinson. Like, that is who he is. And you put him with this offense. I mean, when, when Kenny Gainwell looks as good as he does in this offense running the football, and can no disrespect to Kenny, great player, he's not fucking Bijan Robinson, dude. And, mm-hmm. and Bijan would be incredible. I, I don't know if it's going to happen. I hope it does. But if it, if it does happen, I mean, that's, that's dangerous. That's dangerous. 
All right, let's take a quick break. We got to work through the rest of uh, the 21, 21, almost said 22, 21 picks we have left. We'll work through those a little bit quicker. Always want to make sure we spend enough time on the quarterbacks at the top. That's the most important part, but then we'll work on the rest of this. So we'll have Vito leading off the Tennessee Titans right on the other side. All right, we're back. We got 11 through 31. Uh, we will work through these next 20 uh, quicker than we did the top 10. Just going to give a lecture of love there. So, Vito, you were on the clock. Tennessee Titans with the 11th overall pick. Yeah, so I think – I was just saying, man, I think that, that if they – this is a great example, our mock draft here, of what can happen to the Titans at 11 if four quarterbacks go in the top 10 and they're locked out. So I think what they will do is try and trade up and maybe make something happen there to get a quarterback. We'll see. If they're still here, there's a lot of great value, obviously, early in the first round still. Um, I just think Nolan Smith, I think it's just, hey, you have a defensive head coach. You're probably looking at some of the best defensive players. They just got a, you know, wide receiver in the first. They had Burks last year in the first um, trading A.J. Brown to the Eagles and using that pick on a wide receiver or else I could see them maybe making a move there. But I, I just think you stick with Nolan Smith, and and that's probably where, where I would go if I was the Titans in this spot. Yeah, I, I think it's a good pick. I would probably go with uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba only because, you know, Traylon Burks, the health concern I think is up there. He struggled to get through, but also, hey, you're putting a rookie out there as, you know, on an island basically his whole first, you know, season, which is tough. Um, but, hey, adding more pass rushers with the guys they've lost um, and you have another year with Tannehill, you know, try to get as good as you can. Uh, but I think Vrabes and, and Nolan Smith would be a good Good fit. So I, I like the pick. Uh, Scotty, you are up with the Houston Texans at 12. Yes. And at two, they drafted an Armock draft. They just got their quarterback of the future. Uh, go and get a wide receiver who played with them uh, at the same university. It's going to be Jackson Smith and Jigba uh, at the 12 overall pick out of Ohio State. I just think that, uh, you know, we. I've heard so much dissent on this, on this guy. Of course, like you're going to be the slot guy uh, when you're playing alongside of, of Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave, like naturally his, his speed is elite. Um, His route running is, is not as good as those two guys, but we know the tree that, that he's come from the coaching tree that he uh, had been coached by. Um, He's he's got elite hands. Uh, his his ten yard split is unreal good, uh, and he finds spots in zones. He finds spots against man. He can beat you deep. He does it all. Um, he's he's not as one dimensional as people see, and that's like just go watch the tape. Like if if you saw him, like and of course we lost it a year most of the year last year, which I think yeah. is what what people are are focusing on. But like when he's on the field. And again, when he was, it was with Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave. Like, it's it's easy to get lost in that system. So, uh, when he's your number one guy, you're you're in such good shape uh, to me. And I and I think he's an elite prospect, definitely the best receiver in this class. And I actually I thought he had a great job getting separation. He for me, like, if I were a team, again like the Bears or someone at nine, I I think I would reach for him. I think think about this: if he plays this year, uh. Or if he was just eligible for the draft last year is probably the better way to do it. After he had that record-breaking Rose Bowl game and all that, I think he's he's still a first-rounder. Even, Jeff, to your point earlier, with all those wide receivers last year that were amazing. Like, I, yeah. I think that 
it's just, it's wild that after a year out, he's really still the only guy here. That's like that difference maker outside. So yeah. You know, if you're the Texans, and you, you get a quarterback and you get him, you're, yeah, that's, you that's say, crazy. you say all the time, Vito, when we're talking college ball, five-star guys are, are no joke. Like they're five-star for a reason. This guy was a five-star at in class six, a in high school in Texas. That's one of the most difficult things to do in the country. <laughs> okay. Yeah. That, that means something. Um, so, so yeah, he's, he's an elite prospect, an elite prospect, which, which again, like when I say things like, Hey, I see him being more like a Brandon cooks in the NFL. That's not a slight, right? Again, Brandon cooks has had seven consecutive thousand yard seasons. Brandon cooks is a damn good football player, you know, and he's a pro bowler. Like he's a really, really good player. And I think any team would be happy to have that guy on their team, but we are, we have so much talent at the wide receiver position now that there are different tiers to that true number one. And I think he could be that one B to a two a kind of guy. Um, but I also think in this draft, Hey, you draft CJ Stroud, you lose Brandon cooks, ironically uh, to the Dallas Cowboys there in, in Houston. So you need somebody who's going to come in and pass catches for your rookie quarterback, Jackson Smith and Jigba, I think, is a really, really good choice. Um, the only other guy I would consider there, which is the same guy I have going 13 to the New York Jets, is Peter Skaronsky, which uh, he's fallen. The fact that he's falling to 13, um, it kind of falls in line with a lot of the trends we've seen in the first round over the last couple of years, which is that, like, you know, Penny Sewell and uh, uh, why am I blanking on his name? The, the last guy from Northwestern, the, who, uh, yeah, the other, uh, oh, uh, with God. the Chargers. Scotty. Oh my God! Uh, something to something S Junior. What is it? How am I forgetting this? Oh, this is this is breaking my brain. Um, my brain should be much better than this, but here we are. Uh, we have stats and, and research on it. Um, the uh, he, he tore his he tore his his pack and he missed the whole his the rest of his rookie season. Um, doesn't matter. Uh, either way, I'm still taking I'm, I'm I'm taking Peter Skronsky here. Um, because look, Sean Slater, sorry, Sean Slater. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Sean Slater. Uh, I'm taking him with the New York jets because for a few reasons, number one being flexibility, you can place him wherever they need help. Right. They drafted, uh, Elijah Vera Tucker, uh, last year, two years ago in the first round, he's guard tackle, very similar type player. Um, you know, they have, uh, Makai Becton on the left side, who's been up and down with injuries, when he's been healthy, he's been good, but the injury part has been tough. So now here's a guy who can flex in and out, and you have a 39-year-old quarterback now in Aaron Rodgers, right? So you need a guy who's going to be able to fill holes for you, and whether that's a guard, whether that's an offensive tackle, you're going to want flexibility on your offensive line. And Peter Skronsky, I think from a grading standpoint, is the number one offensive lineman in this class. You get him at 13, you're stoked at the New York Jets. Hand Goodell the card immediately, get it in, and walk out of there with your head held high because you made a good pick. I agree. I mean, he can just do so much, and and it, he was an incredible talent last year. I think he allowed a couple pressures and never a sack. Like it was just, yeah, unreal. It's the most NFL yeah. ready of of the of the well, offensive linemen in this group. And, and then when you look at the the you know the Jets, like they're they're loaded on defense with young talent. They're, they're loaded at skill position with low, with young talent. But what's, as we talk about every year, right? Like if you want to try to make a run, 
with this 38, 39-year-old quarterback, what do you got to do? We say it every year when we get to the Super Bowl. We talked about it a few months ago during the Super Bowl. You need the lines of scrimmage to be there. Uh, and and that's kind of like the one weakness with this Jets team is you need some more depth. Elijah Vera Tucker getting hurt and missing the rest of the season last year after like week four, week five, really, really hurt that Jets team. So adding another guy in there who's flexible, who can play inside, can play outside, it's going to help them a lot in the offensive line. Again, if you're the Jets and he falls to you, you're stoked. You take that pick, you're happy with it. Uh, Vito, you're up with 14 with the New England Patriots. So the Patriots could go a few ways here. Um, don't man, do, please I, don't do it. <laughs> so what? what One Penn State or to another. <laughs> I, I'm not. I'm not doing that. Um, what I am going to do. He would be is, really good there, though. Uh, well, I'm going with a different corner. I'm going with Christian Gonzalez out of Oregon. Um, I think he's a better prospect personally. Uh, and I think that the Patriots. So I saw a stat. It's actually crazy. They went from calling. They used to call way more man than zone. And their zone went from like 30%. It was the last four years, like 30 to like 40 something, then to 50. And last year was over 60% they ran zone. That's because Bill doesn't have the guys he wants. So you remember Ty Law and obviously Revis. And like he's always had, you know, a great corner, Stephon Gilmore. Like that, that's what that team is based around running heavy man out of that. So I think they go Gonzalez because I think he's fast and he's, I think he's a man to man beast. No, I, I, I think it's a good pick. I, if feels like it makes sense, the only other direction I would have gone would have been Broderick Jones, the offensive tackle out of Georgia, mm-hmm. um, just because that team needs offensive line depth. Uh, you got to help protect Mac Jones, uh, you know, or Bailey Zappi, whoever ends up playing quarterback for the, for the Pats. It seems like it's going to be Mac Jones. Um, the other interesting the slant on this I could have been is I feel like this could be the spot that we see the first tight end go. Same. Um, I think the Jets also could, depending on what they end up going. Like, I think if the Jets at 13 wanted Kincaid uh, or wanted Mike Mayer, like one of those guys, I think that also would have made sense. Um, but I, I like the idea of like, hey, look, especially if you're at 14, Christian Gonzalez, I don't think will last until 14. Uh, the way our draft has kind of fallen down, I think it makes sense. Um, and if he's there and you're the Pats and you value that defensive side of it, uh, they have the other guy, uh, I'm blanking on his name, but, um, Jones from yeah, jo- yeah, Jones, yeah. um, who had a, a standout season, pro bowl season. Um, you match him up with Gonzalez. All of a sudden that defense gets more formidable. It feels like a very Belichickian pick, even though he struggles in the first round with drafting. Yeah. So like that, uh, Scotty, you are up with the green Bay Packers at 15. I want to do it so bad. Do it. Tight end off the board. Don Kincaid goes mm. to the Packers at 15. I mean, I don't think – I think this happens anyway because what breaks in front of me, Broderick Jones is still on the board, which is insane. I think that's where they would go if it happened to fall exactly. If we were 14 for 14 uh, hmm. on, on picks here, then I think you go Broderick Jones. But uh, I think it's the most uh, – I think it's a very good uh, Green Bay Packers pick. You need a reliable pass-catching tight end nowadays. Dalton Kincaid's the best one in the draft, especially when you have a, uh, a first-time starter at quarterback in Jordan Love. He's going to be a good out for him. Um, but the physicals are all there. He's fast. He's he's a newcomer to football. Uh, but what I saw on the tape and in, in the game against <laughs> against Penn State uh, was, was really good stuff. Uh, I, I think he's a, a, a top-tier tight end. Uh, there's a couple of these guys on the board, a couple of, of hybrid guys. He's more of a, a big pass catcher guy, but he'll he'll be able to sit on that O-line and help block too. Um, he, he's no stranger to that. And I think 
uh, Dalton Kincaid goes at 15. I love Kyle Whittingham. I love, I love that Utah program, <clears throat> but Michael Mayer is the best tight end in this pro in this class for me. Um, I think Dalton Kincaid is going to be a really fun prospect, but the thing is, is like, look, if he's not going to be like a, you know, a Travis Kelsey type pass catching guy, which I don't think he is Jimmy Graham. Yeah. I, I need, I, yeah. Or Jimmy Graham. That's another good one. Like I need, I need a guy who can do multiple things. And Mike, Mike Mayer is the most complete tight end prospect in this class. I know how those Utah guys, those Utah guys are, are built. I know how good they are. Um, I, I don't, I don't, I, I think Dalton Kincaid's going to be a really good player. I think he's going to look more like a like a Dallas Goddard, you know, who can block a little bit, but he's going to be really valuable in the passing game. Dallas Goddard was a second, third round pick. Like he wasn't anything. Yeah, you know, I think he was second rounder. Um, you know, really, really solid player. But to me, it's like Mike Mike Myers, the guy who's like going to be a Kittle. Uh, he's the guy who's going to be the difference maker in blocking and passing, and that's the guy you draft in the first round. But I, I love Dalton Kincaid, so I get it. Um, so I think it's a good pick. Uh, I have the Commanders up at sixteen. Boo! Left Sorry. hand, left hand up. Commanders. Um, uh, I'm going to take Broderick Jones here. Uh, still oh, on the board. Fucking... Best. <laughs> he's the best offensive lineman available. Uh, the quarterback situation with the Commanders is still very unclear, right? So mm-hmm. like we've done in years past when you have teams where you don't really know what the QB situation is, but you can, Hey, let's get, let's get a penny Sewell in here. Like Detroit did before you really have the quarterback position figured out, get him up to speed, let him get elite for that way. The time you get your, you know, your, your, your prime time quarterback up here, you're going to be able to use him. So Broderick Jones, massive body, really physical. He's going to do a really good job in the run and pass game. Again, I don't expect him to last this long, but we've seen for the first time in a long time that tackles seem to be dropping to that mid-first round region. I think it's in play for the commanders. I think Broderick Jones is the pick. Uh, We did this wrong. Why? Uh, Because the Packers are now at 13 and the Jets at 15. Oh, you're right. (laughs) Ha! Oh shit! That did happen. We recorded too <laughs> soon after the trade. The the draft orders on the websites hadn't been, hadn't been flipped up like right. Well, who do we take it? Thir- they can stand. Yeah, it doesn't. Who's, it was Pete. It was Skronsky, Skronsky and Kincaid. So, okay, so I mean, the, no, the they Jets. Probably, they probably. I mean, that could flip. Yeah, <laughs> they just flip. They just flip. They travel with the team. It's all good. Yeah, we're just going. Yeah, we're just going with the most recent, up-to-date draft orders that we had on the websites as the time we pulled this up. I mean, look at thirteen. Look, the Packers are up there. I also don't think the Packers are going to draft offensive line. Um, I don't think it's out of question that they do. Um, But either way, I feel like they kind of. I feel like both of them kind of. It's only a one. It's it's a. There's one team in between them. So yeah, I would have got Skaroski for the record, but then you just would end up with Gonzalez. It's fine. It works out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because Skaroski seems like a Bill Belichick guy. Well, say, I took Skaroski at thirteen. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I mean, if 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 the if the Packers were there, hey. yeah, I you know we're we're just gonna keep it as is. But thank yep. you for, for reminding us. <laughs> This is the problem with breaking news in this in the sports world, man. We started recording this like 15 minutes after Aaron Rodgers gets traded. Nothing's been updated since. So thank you for the reminder, Scotty. All right. The commanders finish with Project Jones at 16 and Vito's on the clock with the Pittsburgh Steelers at 17. So I was gonna go, I was gonna go with Darnell Wright. I'm not going him. I'm gonna go with another guy out of a Pennsylvania college. 
I'm going with Kalijah Kansi, the defensive tackle out of Pitt. Ooh. Because, Ooh. listen, this is crazy. I know they have it, but even – I saw a quote recently. They were uh, asking Mike Tomlin if there are any needs for his team in the draft. He said there's no glaring needs. And I was like, that's – like, you know, you're a head coach. You're going to say whatever. But then he also followed it up and said a couple other things. And they interviewed Cam Hayward. And he's like, no, we need some bigger bodies in the middle. And I think a lot of this just is turning towards why not go ahead and take another defensive tackle that, you know – He's not the biggest body in the world. He's 280. But the quote from, I guess, some some NFC scout said, like, you'd worry about him more if there weren't guys like Aaron Donald and Grady Jarrett just dominating. So I, I think you might as well just go ahead and take him. Uh, 100%. And, and, hey, he's in the building. Their last two first-round picks go to Pitt Panthers. I, I kind of like it. Maybe I'm reading too much into it, but that's where I'm going to go. Because I do think they need offensive line more. But, but I, I'm going to go I, ahead. I love this. it because, like, I, there's the – there's the wishful thinking that like, Hey, this guy's the next Aaron Donald. Cause he's an undersized defensive tackle with freak yeah. athletic ability coming from the university of Pitt, Right. So like people are going to, it's, it's not too dissimilar to when the, the Eagles drafted, uh, uh, Oh, why am I even blanking on Eagles players? My brain's not functioning right now. Uh, the kid out of Tennessee recovered the fumble, uh, in the Super Bowl. Um, Oh, uh, uh, he got tore his ACL at the beginning of last year. Uh, Derek, uh, Derek Barnett, mm-hmm. um, you know, Derek Barnett broke Reggie White's sack records. Right. And it was like, they both played at Tennessee and they had all these, you know, similarities and the upbringing and the way, and it was like, Oh, he's going to be the next Reggie White. Now granted, there's a lot more years separated them between, uh, you know, Cansey and, and, and Donald, but uh, I like I like the pick because it's a very it's a very Steelers pick. It's like, hey, let's get an interior defensive lineman that other people might be sleep on who could end up being a game wrecker. And uh, I think it's good. And he's also, again, freak athlete, freak mm. athlete. So I, I like the pick. That's a good one. That's a good one. Beto. Uh, all right, Scotty, you're up with the Detroit Lions at 18. Oh, I got me some Lions, huh? <clears throat> I made their first pick for them. That was cornerback Def- Devon Witherspoon. Ah. Uh... I'm, they're not going to get a second cornerback, even though I want to draft my guy for them. Do it. <laughs> um, but uh, but no, I'm going to go on the. Uh, I'm going to get another uh, another edge rusher for them uh, to go alongside of uh, of. Oh my god, Aiden Hutchinson. Aiden Hutchinson. Thank you. Nobody's brains working today. Uh, too much draft prep. I'm going to go with the uh, the Clemson defensive end Miles Murphy. Um, Ooh. He's he's just got freaky upside uh, and 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 really good at pass rushing. Uh, he's one of the twitchiest guys at his size. He's two hundred and seventy five pounds, which is big for his uh, for for getting after the quarterback. But he's got so much power. Um, it's just I, I'm worried about his development. Um, but he's in Dan Campbell's defense, so uh, I think that helps. Uh, but but again, just a freaky pure athlete kind of like how we talked about Aiden Hutchinson coming out last year we didn't think that he would be the best particular like edge rusher um we had questions about him getting to the quarterback but he was a freak athlete and he had an, a monster year last year um so you put uh, a guy a guy to compliment on the other side in Miles Murphy I think that's a that's a, a big hit for your defense I like it. It seems a little early. I mean, I think he's probably going to be a back-end first-round pick. But, I mean, look, we've seen it again. We've seen it in years past, right? Like when, when these guys are there and that's the guy that you see as your, you know, D lineman, your outside linebacker, your interior guy, like that's who you go after. So, um, you know, I, I there's a lot to love out of Miles, from Miles Murphy. Um, 
I think it's a fun pick. I think it's a fun pick. And again, if you're pairing him up with Aiden Hutchinson, you're solidifying solidifying that defensive line and that that press that pass rush for the uh, Detroit Lions. So I think it's good. Uh, all right, 19. I have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and I'm going to take Darnell Wright out of Tennessee. Um, not the flashiest, most fun pick, but look, this is a team they signed Baker Mayfield in the offseason. They clearly have open long-term plans when it comes to the quarterback position, and it kind of falls back into what we've talked about some of these other teams that are, you know, like we talked about the commanders taking Broderick Jones, right? It's like you don't know who the quarterback's going to be, but you have an opportunity to take somebody who can solidify that offensive line for when you do ultimately get that guy. You know, the the Bucs could end up being a a bottom five to bottom ten team next year, put them in position to go up and get a young quarterback, go get an offensive tackle to help you know, Baker, you know, perform this year as much as he can and, you know, give him as much time as possible. And if it doesn't work out, then cool. Then you're in the top 10 and you still have a first round offensive tackle there who you should be a top 15, top 16 pick uh, and Darnell Wright. So uh, Darnell Wright's going to be the uh, the pick for me with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at 19. Uh, that yeah. brings us to, oh yeah, go ahead. Uh, I was going to say, my only concern is like how terrible he is in run protection. Like phenomenal on, on pass protection. That's great. And, and and if you want to air the ball out down there, that's fine. But we haven't seen Baker Mayfield be successful in that sort of offense. They don't really have a running game. They need one. And this is not a good pick as far as helping out your offensive line depth for run protection. I mean, look, I said the same thing about Charles Cross last year, right? And, you know, mm-hmm. coming out of Mississippi State with, with Mike Leach, you know, he was one of those guys. I, I didn't know if he had that in him and, and similar thing with Tennessee, where it's like, hey, you have Josh Heupel, you know, court, offensive coordinator who has to throw it out, quick decisions from the quarterback, mobile quarterback and Hendon Hooker. Um, you know, do you see a situation where, you know, having a quarterback will be, you know, or, or having an offensive lineman who's, who's only pass protection guy, but like he's a really, really good athlete, right? And uh, his ability to kind of get up out of his stance, I think, will translate to the NFL. That's one of the things I missed on Charles Cross. I went back and watched him with Charles Cross, uh, you know, film oh, during uh, with my draft pick to, to kind of at least see, like, hey, what did I see in his game that I didn't see last year? Or like, how did I miss so badly on this guy? And one of the things I saw was just explosiveness out of his stance. And what we saw with that running game with Kenneth Walker the third and Rashad Penny when those guys were healthy in, in, in Seattle was – Charles Cross gets out of his stance fast, right? Super athletic. And I think you'll see the same thing out of Darnell, right? Explosive athlete for his size. Uh, and I think he'll be able to translate that to the NFL. Run blocking is easy to teach in the NFL, right? If you're big and strong like Darnell Wright is at his frame and his size and weight, uh, and you can still be explosive, that's easy to teach, right? The setting stuff is harder to do, and he's already proven he can do that. So I think the rest of it will translate. Uh, number 20 to Vito with Seattle Seahawks. Yeah, another one. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and and so the first uh, pick I had for them, I went Jalen Carter on the defensive tackle side. I'm going to go ahead and stick on that defensive side. Um, really thought about going wide receiver here, but we're going to go ahead and finally take the boy. Uh, we're going to go ahead and, and yeah, I think we're just going to go ahead and, and draft uh, draft junior out of Penn State, Joey Porter Jr. Um, coming out really long. Uh, had little bit of inconsistency there but fits I think uh you know a lot of what Pete Carroll does on the defensive side I think it it lines up well with his style um and and I think he just comes in and helps that defense out right away I thought line here too but um 
at some point you just look at the board and figure out who you love. And uh, for, for obvious reasons, I've been partial to Joey Porter Jr. Um, Didn't have the best statistical year by any means. Um, And, and, but if you watch the games, you realize like, Oh man, not only is this guy great, what they need to do in the NFL is get him to play a little more within himself than you try to do too much. And I think he'll, he'll be a better player for it. I like it. I think he's a really, really good fit for Seattle's defense. Um, yeah, he's opposite fit. Tariq Woolen. I mean, I mean, yeah. I mean, that's ultimate, nasty, man. I mean, ultimately, yeah. If you're Seattle, like this is a spot. Twenty is probably too high to take Hendon Hooker. Plus, you know he's going to have to sit out the year, and then he comes in as a 26 year old rookie. I mean, that's that's mm-hmm. a tough sell. Um, for as much as I love Hendon Hooker, uh, I think at this point you're yeah you're trying to build up the rest of that. Get that really really nasty defense in place. Almost try to replicate that Legion of Boom with Tariq Woolen, and then on the other side, yeah, you have. Joey Porter Jr., physical corner. I think he fits really well with what they like to do in Seattle. I think it's a great pick. Yeah, the length, the only concern I have is the penalties. Uh, he had too many last year uh, because he is so physical, especially at the line of scrimmage. But that's a product of his length. If you get him up in the air at the catch point, he's he's unbelievable. I'm just worried about the the way that they call penalties in the NFL. Uh like, which is, I was talking to one of our friends who's a, who's a Steelers fan, Jake. And he was just like, I don't want him because I'm, I don't want to see him get called <laughs> for 75 yards in a game because, uh, because all they're doing is calling holding on him uh, because of the NFL rules. And I tended to agree. So, uh, you know, I, that, that's a concern, but everything else is phenomenal, man coverage, uh, unbelievable zone coverage, pretty good too. Uh, really, really just a, a, an elite talent. And I, and I think when you, force a 40% incompletion rate, you're doing pretty well. There was one game there. He just, I, I think he had five defended passes and, and blocked all of them. So uh, love, I hate that he's going to Seattle in our mock draft, but I love Joey Porter Jr. And uh, and he's going to be a good NFL player. Is that just for you, Scotty? Thanks. Appreciate you. <laughs> all right, Scotty, you are up with the Los Angeles Chargers at 21. This is a no-brainer. They're going to draft Mike Williams, too. That's Jordan Addison, the wide receiver out of USC. Wow. Um, I just think that uh, at this point, you need you need all the help you can. I mean, look, they're, they're not going to – we'll see if they have Austin Eckler. Um, that defense on paper looks looks pretty good. I think they could go cornerback here, too. Um, if if uh, who, Who's the guy from Maryland? Um, uh uh Deontay Banks if he's still on the board I would I, I would consider that as well but Jordan Addison is a is a legit threat weapon wide receiver big body uh love just the speed the the uh, the the route runner that he is he's got flexibility uh to to break off of routes he's not just one dimensional and, and and running go balls um but uh you know he, for his size he's not as physical as he could be um and uh, and I think that's that's a downside. But when you win the best wide receiver award in college, it means something. Um, and and I think he's got the skill set to to be able to go into Kellen Moore's offense and be able to develop as one of as uh, you know, if not the heir apparent to to Keenan Allen, like one of their their top threats at receiver. Um, and and uh, yeah, Jordan Addison staying uh, staying in his second home, I guess, in L.A. Uh, with the with the Chargers. Yeah, so my thing with Jordan Addison, I, I'm, I have a couple things going out on here. I hate the fit with the Chargers only because I think if the Chargers are, are taking this, I don't. I guess just to say, I don't hate it because they're if he's the number one on their board at this point, that you take the best player available, he he immediately becomes a slot receiver. Um, 
at the same time, I believe very firmly that the Belindikoff Award in college is a very, very good determination of who is going to translate and at the very least become a very, very productive player in the Mm -hmm. NFL. And Jordan Addison was that at Pitt with Kenny Pickett, and he goes to USC, a little up and down season, but ultimately finds his groove with Caleb Williams, becomes a really, really productive player. Um, If I'm the Chargers, there's a couple other guys on the board right now that I would take ahead of Jordan Addison. Um, and, and look, I think if you if you bring him here, like you you immediately make Justin Herbert happy, right? You're giving another option. Um, I love the idea of Jameer Gibbs, fall, you know, coming here at 21. I know it feels like a little bit high, but I I don't think he gets out of the first round. Uh, and essentially, especially if you know Austin Eckler's not happy, you you can end up trading him on draft night. Maybe you end up drafting Jameer Gibbs, right? You have a guy in there who's basically going to be the exact same thing, if not a better version of what Austin Eckler is. Uh, and Jameer Gibbs, I think ultimately fills that need of a guy that you can run out of the backfield or you can line him up in slot receiver. Right. And, and Jordan Addison at the same time, I think is a stud. I think he's a really, really good player. And uh, was, I was going back and forth with my next pick as to whether I was going to take him or, or somebody else. And you made the decision easy for me there, Scott. Um, well, to an extent you'll, you'll see here in a second, but um, I think Jordan Addison is going to be a really, really good pro. I, but ultimately I, I think he's going to be primarily out of the slot. He's the best route runner in the class. He's crazy smooth. Really good after the catch, really explosive player. I think Jordan Addison's going to be an awesome NFL player. I think he's the most like Brandon Cooks because of his speed. Him and Zay Flowers both are kind of in that same cast. Um, but, uh, you know, look, if you're Justin Herbert and you're the Chargers and you want to keep Justin Herbert happy, I think it makes sense. I don't know if there's an offensive lineman at this spot at 21 that you look at and go, yeah, should we take him over Addison? You're taking the best player available. Um, but I think it's something where it's like, hey, you have Mike Williams under contract for the next three years. You have Keenan Allen under contract for the next two years. You don't need a guy like this right now. Um, but ultimately, when you have Justin Herbert, you know, you can't say enough positive things. So uh, that brings me up number 22 with the Baltimore Ravens. And um, this is where we go back to the what I would do versus what the team's going to do. And what the team, what I would do is I would draft Zay Flowers here. Okay. Uh, if there's a world where you have Lamar Jackson coming back and playing for you, you want to surround him with enough talent. You go out and you get OBJ, albeit for a ridiculous contract. You go out and get Nelson Aguilar, who's a really solid number two wide receiver to have on your team. Then you go out and you get a young guy. You also have Rashad Bateman there, who I like a lot. But then you go out and you get a young guy like Zay Flowers, who might be able to take over for OBJ, whatever. But you'll be able to use him in a lot of ways. The Ravens are not going to do that. What the Ravens are going to do is they're going to draft Lucas Van Ness, defensive end out of Iowa and he's become a very polarizing player Um, undersized not the most explosive player that you'll find but what he does is fucking produce he is absolutely gritty right we just saw uh, the Kansas City Chiefs win a Super Bowl um, with a a defensive end that they drafted out of the Big Ten right Um, my brain is so bad right now um Remind Aloftis. Aloftis. Uh, thank you. Yeah. Carl Aloftis. Yeah. yeah. George Aloftis. Right. They draft him in the back end of the first round. I think it's a very similar style player. Uh, not super explosive, but very productive. Uh, really good technique. He's going to be able to come in and produce for you, even if he's not playing every down. And that seems to me like the most Baltimore Ravens pick of all time, where you're in a position to draft a wide receiver to, to your quarterback who is very clearly no longer wanting to play for you, but you're trying to hold on to him and maybe he comes back. Nope. They're going to draft a really good defensive end. They've lost some pieces in free agency. 
Uh, and obviously you have OA and you have some other players there, but this is just another guy that you can put in that rotation who's going to be really, really consistent for you. So I like to pick Lucas Van Ness going to Baltimore, the Baltimore Ravens at 22. Uh, I like it. Yeah. Uh, I, I actually, yeah, fits. I'm, I'm rolling right with the Vikings. So I'm at 23 here and I'm going to go with Hedden Hooker. This has been paired up for a while Ooh. Um, because Kirk Cousins so, has one year left on his deal. Um, I, I, it, it, listen, if, if you're going to look for somebody, this is a great time to find someone at value at the later in the first round that if you didn't have to, you know, wait out, it would be different. But when you have one more year with Kirk Cousins, you have him coming back, kind of pairs up. And, and I think, why not? let the Vikings do this. I don't think they're going to give Kirk Cousins another deal after this one. So I think they got to start looking and this is probably the best fit they're going to find this late in the first round. I, yeah, I like it. Um, I, I, I think it makes sense. Uh, I also want to mention this too. It seems like the Vikings are one of those teams that have been very much uh, connected to a potential trade up. Uh, and, and I think we will likely see the uh, that we will see the, the the Vikings try to make a move to get themselves in position to, you know, to try to draft somebody new. Um, but I think it makes a lot of sense. Right. And and Hendon Hooker. Right. He's going to have to sit for a year. But that roster, that team's in a position to compete right now, especially with Justin Jefferson. So, you know, you have Hendon Hooker who's going to come back off his injury and be able to compete right away. I think it makes sense. Uh, and I'm, I'm with you. I think they ultimately do move on. Um, shortly after this uh from from kirk cousins so yeah yeah uh, and you could go secondary here too i think uh brian flores now the new defensive coordinator does a good job of coaching up guys um but you know if yeah i i just think that that that's that's a uh the smoke has been there for a while and, and usually where there's smoke there's fire you go wide receiver too i think uh at this spot that would help if justin jefferson goes down kj osborne's your number one um so that's that's a bit of a depth issue but yeah Hendon hooker there it makes it makes a ton of sense especially if they're not going to retain kirk uh all right scott you're up number 25 with the jacksonville jaguars i'm gonna take the best uh, defensive back on my board to uh, get back some of the depth. Um, they could go offensive line here since they lost uh, they lost uh, their best offensive lineman. I'm going to take Emmanuel Forbes out of Mississippi State. Uh, didn't start his freshman year, but you know he's he's got great grades. He's got he's pretty lanky, um, but he's he the dude can jump and and he's got an, uh, an insane ability to locate the ball uh, at the at the point of the catch. He looks a lot like a, a, a bit of a ball hawk there, kind of like uh, like Joey Porter Jr.'s that we just drafted in our mock. Um, and, and he had 13 interceptions last year or, uh, over the course of his uh, his career, uh, which which is no slouch in the uh, in the SEC. Uh, 20% completion against man. He's got to clean that uh, the zone up part up a little bit. But I think uh, in, in that division that likes to run uh he's he's uh, uh, pretty decent enough at getting into the slot and helping stuff that too uh so i'm gonna go emmanuel forbes out of mississippi state Ooh. yeah i mean four, 14 uh 14 interception six career pick sixes definitely opportunistic type of guy uh and i think that helps right i mean they get kelvin ridley back on that jaguars team like they have some offensive pieces uh, again, offensive line might be the look here, but I don't know how much, again, at that back end of the first round, there's not a ton of O-line talent that you're going to see go around there. Um, so I think it's a good pick. I, I think it makes a lot of sense. 
uh, sure up that back end. That defense needs it. I mean, we saw how badly, you know, in the, in the playoff game against the Chargers, obviously they came back in that game, but you know, Justin Herbert was able to have his way there. I think the more talent you can have there, the game making game breaking type of guys you have, uh, the better. And I think Jacksonville's going to, going to make that move there. Uh, that brings me up with the New York football giants uh, on my draft board. I look at what this team has on offense, right? And you see Daniel Jones and you say, well, Saquon up and down. I don't know what's going to be there, but ultimately what did this team invest in, in the offseason? They invested in the quarterback position. They go out and they get Darren Waller, right? Andrew Thomas has a big year. Evan Neal, they invest in on the right side of the offensive line last year in the top 10. Uh, and then you look at that offense, that wide receiver room and you see Isaiah Hodgins possession receiver. They kind of found out of nowhere, right? Darius Slayton, Kind of been up and down, hasn't done a ton for them. Wandale Robinson, the draft out of Kentucky last year, didn't do a lot for him. Sterling Shepard cannot stay on the field. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to take, in my opinion, I think the wide receiver I would be happy, maybe not happiest with, but the one I'd be like low key most excited about where like I wouldn't like I'd be like, holy shit, we just got one of the steals of the draft, particularly at number 25 overall. And that is a flowers wide receiver out of Boston College. Uh, The dude is everything you want. Um, Jeff Halfley, the head coach of Boston College, refers to him as an energizer bunny. And when you watch this New York Giants team, they finished dead last in the NFL last year and and plays over 20 yards. And Zay Flowers immediately helps you grow that, right? And now you have a guy who can stretch the field, who's electric with the ball in his hands, great separation, plays way bigger than he is. He is, in a lot of ways, you know, that modern day Deshaun Jackson type, and he's an absolute burner to go along with it. So you're going to have someone who can take the top off the defense for Isaiah Hodgins and Darren Waller over the middle. I think it's a perfect fit. I think it opens up a lot of that middle of the field room where Daniel Jones loves to throw the ball. And he also loves to run it, uh, especially when defensive backs have their back turned and he can pull it and run for miles. That is exactly what Zay Flowers gives you. I think Zay Flowers is a perfect fit. And if he falls to 25 for the New York Giants, you have to be stoked as a Giants fan to bring that guy because immediately Isaiah Hodgins, Zay Flowers, and Darren Waller is a really, really fun wide receiver pass catching room. Uh, and so I love Zay Flowers there at 25, the New York Giants. Like yeah, I, I'm not high on him, man. It's And it's the drops for me. Like he's 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 really great separator, uh, which makes the drops all that that more meaningful. Like he's got to clean that up, but I think the the skill set is there, the speed is there, and the route running is there uh, for for him to to have success. Yeah. I just I'm more worried about Quentin Jeff Johnston, the wide receiver out of TCU, when it comes to the drops. Um, but Zay Flowers, look, I mean, like every every tracking service, whether it's PFF or no matter where you get your stats from, they all grade drops differently. So there's some metrics that you look at and it's like, oh yeah, Zay Flowers has a ton of drops and there's somewhere it's like, oh, it just, it doesn't have that many. Yeah. Look at the guys who's throwing him passes over the course of his career. Uh, did not have a ton of help, uh, you know, Phil Dracovic and uh, who got hurt, you know, two weeks into the season and he's playing with a bunch of nobodies with arguably the worst offensive line in college football last year, at least in the power five at Boston college. So that's, I, I don't worry about it. I saw the same thing, but uh, they're out running the speed, uh, and, and the way he plays bigger than his size is enough for me to be like, hey, if you're going to come in as a rookie and be like our number two and a half wide receiver, I'm pretty happy with that, given what his upside could be. Mm-hmm. No, I agree. I agree with all of that. All right. Uh, Vito, you're up 26 with the Cowboys. 
All right, so for this pick, I'm going to go with Michael Mayer and the tight oh, end. Oh, fuck a, you. Yeah, at a Notre Dame. Um, Such and, a good pick. And I think it's it's kind of crazy because um, there's a quote that, you know, we're, we're looking at all this stuff. And there's a quote on here on one of the draft boards uh, from ESPN saying that, like, an exec uh, – Said that no way in hell Jerry Jones passes up a Jason Witten clone if he's on the board, and and I I agree. Like I think I think that like you said it earlier, Jeff. He not only is the best run blocker in this group, he might be the have the best hands, and he also um, they, now they did get Jake Ferguson, I believe it was last year uh, um, in the fourth round. So they had a tight end, but the thing is, it's just wild. They let uh, Dalton Schultz walk. So you got to address that. Maybe you believe in the guy from last year enough. But I think if you have a first round pick, you you got to have at least more than one tight end in your tier. They got a second guy they got, I think, in like, you know, post draft free agency. So he was a rookie, but not drafted. I think you got to get a guy like this who's going to come in and help that that team. So you have a young tight ends uh, group, but with Dak, you, you got to have that blanket. He used it a lot. And I think Michael Mayer's the guy to do it. I hate it because it's such a perfect pick. Um, <laughs> it's a perfect it, fit it, too. Yeah, it makes so much sense. I think he's the. I said. I said earlier. I think he's the best tight end prospect in the draft right now. He's going to help them in the run blocking game. He's going to help them in the pass catching game. He adds that because like Dalton Schultz was just such a you know just a wet paper towel of a of a tight end in this league. Um, and you know Dak it, with that offense a couple of years ago when he put up those big numbers, everyone thought Dalton Schultz was the shit. And it's like, no, dude, he's just he's the fifth option on a team that has seven options, and you can only play five of them. So he's going to be the one that's open the most, and it, it makes a ton of sense. You go out and they get Brandon Cooks in the offseason. You pair that on the other side with CD Lamb. Obviously, you have Tony Pollard out of the backfield. It makes a ton of sense. I think it's a great pick. Uh, all right. And uh, Scotty, that brings you up 27 with the Buffalo Bills. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> a lot of places they could go here. Shore up the offensive line uh, might help just add some depth there. Uh, but I think the most glaring need, there aren't a ton of starting roles uh, in, in this def- er, in this team period. So I'm going to go on the defensive side where they have maybe the biggest hole that they lost in the offseason losing Tremaine Edmonds and he's going to get replaced by inside linebacker Trenton Simpson out of Clemson. Um, just makes sense. He's fluid. He's explosive. He's great in man coverage. It's like you're plugging and playing a rookie into, into where Tremaine Edmonds spot was. Uh, we know the developments there on the defensive side of the ball uh, with, uh, with Leslie Frazier. So I, I'm, I'm good with that. Uh, I don't really have like a first round grade on him, but you know, if the need is there, you, like I said, you don't have a ton of starting roles. I think he can work himself into that sort of spot uh, towards season's end. Uh, and he's the best, he's the best inside linebacker on the board for sure. Uh, and, and maybe one of the, I think probably the best linebacker period on the board left. No, I think it's the right pick. Uh, back in the first, you said there's not a whole lot of needs. I think Buffalo is another team where, like, traditionally they'll draft for just best player available. They need help on the outside. So whether it's Julius Brents, uh, the cornerback out of uh, Kansas State, or uh, if they want to go with, like, Deontay Banks, uh, cornerback out of Maryland, I think either one of them makes a lot of sense there as well. Um, but that is a glaring hole for them. And uh, for the first linebacker, like true linebacker being drafted here, I think it makes a lot of sense for them. Um, get somebody who can fill in that hole. And uh, yeah, I mean, they're, they're set at the safety position, at least for now, because I think it's another one where, you know, um, we're, 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 uh, Brian Branch, the the safety cornerback hybrid kind of guy out of uh, Alabama might make sense as well. But I, I like the pick. 
I love uh, Drew Sanders as well on the linebacker yeah. side. Just throwing it out there. Couldn't see him even coming off here at the end. Agreed. Agreed. All right. That uh, we have now uh, four more picks left. I have one, uh, two more. You guys have each uh, one left each. Uh, I have the Cincinnati Bengals up next. And again, it's another team like offensive side of the ball. You feel pretty good. Offensive line overperformed last year. I think they're going to continue. Well, not even overperform, but just improve drastically from the year before. I think they're looking on that defensive side of the ball. You can look for a, a someone to replace, you know, uh, Eli Apple. But look, this is a team that knows they got to go up against Patrick Mahomes, right? They know they got to go up against uh, Josh Allen. So for them, it's about generating pressure, uh, slowing down the run game as much as they can. And that's why I'm going after Brian Breesy, defensive tackle with Clemson. Uh, really good pass rushing interior defensive tackle, which you don't see a whole lot of, especially guys. He spent a lot of time at Clemson. Clemson. He's going to be a plug-and-play guy at that position, right? His upside is not that of a Quentin Williams or Jeffrey Simmons or Fletcher Cox. Those guys who come in and take a couple of years to develop. He's going to come in. He's going to play three technique for them. And he's going to be a real difference maker. He's going to, he's, I honestly, I think he will. He's going to be in a rotation of guys. That you're going to be able to throw and pressure the quarterback, uh, you know, because no matter who you have at that cornerback position, especially if it's a rookie, especially if you have Julius Brents, especially if you have Deontay Banks, it doesn't matter who it is. Those guys are going to be chasing around wide receivers, uh, you know, when you go up against Patrick Mahomes and you go up against Josh Allen. So getting somebody who can pressure the quarterback, Brian Breesey, uh, is the guy for me out of Clemson, uh, and and I like it. He's a plug-and-play guy immediately. He's going to be really good for him. He's going to be a team leader, too. Reminds me a little bit like Christian Wilkins, you know, when he came out out of Clemson. Uh, you know, Christian Wilkins was definitely a better, uh, a bigger athlete, at least, um, but just kind of had the experience, played in a ton of big games, used to that pressure, and came in and was really good. And then he surprised people with how good he's become, where he's been one of the most dominant interior defensive linemen we have in football. I don't know if the ceiling's quite that high for Brian Bracey, but he is going to come in and at least give you the floor of that, and that's why I like the pick there for, for Cincinnati. Somebody's going to come in and make a difference for you right away. Uh, yeah, all right. Absolutely. 29, the New Orleans Saints via San Francisco, via Miami, via Denver. Another one. Another Denver giving up pick that I'm going to draft. And I'm going to, for the Saints, Saints <laughs> go ahead and take uh, – I, I wish I could pronounce this name, and you guys probably know where I'm going. Adita Miwa, Adiaware, Adibaware, whatever yeah. that is. Yeah, he is a beast. He's from the Northwestern defensive lineman. Um, listen, Saints need a lot, and I think this is a guy – you know who he reminds me of is uh, – oh, my God. Because he had a killer combine performance – it was just like that guy who they got from, I think, Buffalo or Middle. Like, he, it was a lower-tier system. He plays linebacker for them now. Oh, my God. Uh, but they got Saints got him in the first round again. They still the same GM as when that happened. They love these athletic freaks on the defensive side. Um, and and so I'm, I'm going to go ahead and say him for late in this, you know, in this round, it, it's, it's probably where I see him going. God, who is that guy? I'm trying to compare him to. Um, I'll find it and let you know, but yeah. All right. No, I, I like it. I mean, look, we're at this point where like the back end of the first round, it feels like you're talking about a lot of like, could go here, could go here. You know, it's, it's tough to try to figure out, but I think that's a good pick. I think that's a good pick. Uh, all right, Scotty, you are up. The Philadelphia Eagles at 30. Well, didn't Don't. you just luck into a guy who can play two spots on the defensive backfield? That is Brian Branch, the cornerback safety out of Alabama, who does it all. And uh, seriously, watching tape, 
he could be, I think he's the number one safety for sure, but I think he's a top 10 corner, like coverage corner in this draft as well. Uh, and, and he can do it all just a, a phenomenal athlete. I don't know why uh, teams aren't higher on him. Um, I, I would suspect if you, if you are really in the market for, uh, for upgrading your defensive backfield, uh, uh, the top three corners are off the board in, in Devin Weatherspoon, uh, uh, Christian Gonzalez and, and JPJ uh, that you would ostensibly reach up to go get this guy. Uh, I don't see that being out of the question at all. I, I just think he's one of the best athletes in this class. Uh, he, he's, he's certainly good uh, on the, on the defensive end, uh, a defensive side of the ball in the backfield. He can play man. He he's excellent at zone. He can drop down into run coverage and help you out there. He's excellent at the point of catch. Uh, playing playing coverage defense he just does it all like i said uh so brian branch to the eagles i mean that's that's the pick that like how my brain operates that i think like oh yeah like that makes a ton of sense for the birds um but the only other one and the guy would probably say i would i would have the eagles taking ahead of him is will mcdonald uh the fourth out of uh, iowa state he is very similar to hassan radic pure outside linebacker but like an edge rush Outside linebacker, not a guy you're going to drop back. Speed they, rush, just, yeah. He's just going to get at, pin his ears back and get after the quarterback. You know, yeah. the Eagles, the Eagles are, ligaments. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. The Eagles are going to be that need some of that stuff. Um, I think the Eagles going to roll with Reed Blankenship, who played well, you know, in service for uh, CJ Garner Johnson. Um, I forget who they also went out and signed a, uh, a former, uh, was it Greedy Williams or? I don't know. They went out and signed one of the LSU guys not that far, not that long ago. So I, I it'll be interesting to see ultimately how it plays out. But um, yeah, I mean, look, if Brian Branch is there, I mean, you're looking at a guy coming out of Alabama who's going to be a really, really special player because every safety cornerback hybrid that comes out of Alabama performs. Uh, Minka, yeah, I think he's yeah. better than Minka. <laughs> yeah, and he and he very well could be somebody look just like that. So we'll see. All right, with the last pick. The 2023 NFL Draft, the Kansas City Chiefs, your world champion, Kansas City Chiefs, yeah. take who could be the best wide receiver in this year's class, Quentin Johnston, wide receiver, TCU. Uh, alligator arm central, no doubt, tons of drops, but his separation, his size, his speed, he's the only one of these guys who has true, true upside to be a legitimate number one. And if you're the Kansas city chiefs, you could go outside linebacker. You could get Will McDonald, right? Uh, you could get Keon white out of Georgia tech. There's tons of other guys you go out and get, you can go out and get another cornerback though. I think they're happy with the way that their rookie cornerbacks played last year. Uh, I think it makes the most sense for them. I really do. And uh, I, I think Keon, Keon, uh, Quinton Johnston uh, is going to end up being one of those guys who you're going to see the explosiveness right on the field immediately when he's out running routes, breaking away from guys. Can he hold on to the freaking ball? That's what it's going to come down to. If he holds on to it, he's going to be a menace. He's going to be a nightmare for guys. I think he's going to, I think he's going to be a really good fit in Kansas city. Uh, you know, they need some young guys. I know they drafted sky more last year. He ended up being more of a gadget guy for them. They need a true number one. If they're not able to pull in a Deandre Hopkins or somebody like that, uh, they don't have it and they lose Juju Smith Schuster. They need a young rookie. And I think if Quinton Johnson ends up falling that far to the end of the first round, I think for them, again, it's one of those you fill out this card, you give it right to you know Goodell, you make him turn mm -hmm. right around. 
and you make that pick. So Quentin Johnson out of TCU to 31. And with that, our third annual read option mock draft is done. Real quick recap. Number one, Bryce Young to Carolina, CJ Stroud, Will Anderson, Will Levis, Jalen Carter, Devin Witherspoon, Anthony Richardson, Tyree Wilson, Paris Johnson Jr., B. John Robinson, Nolan Smith, Jackson Smith and Jigba, Peter Skaronsky, Christian Gonzalez, Dylan or Dalton Kincaid, Broderick Jones, Kalijah Cansey, Miles Murphy, Darnell Wright, Joey Porter Jr., Jordan Addison, Lucas, Van Ness, Hendon Hooker, Emmanuel Forbes, Zay Flowers, Michael Mayer. Trenton Simpson, Brian Breesy. I'm not going to try to say the name. <laughs> it's right. too fast. The big uh, A. Brian, <laughs> Brian Branch and Quentin Johnson. And that does it. So that's what we got for you guys today. Again, hopefully big interview coming out on draft day. Get excited for that. Uh, and we have the NFL draft coming up on Thursday. So hopefully Scotty Vito and I will hop on Zoom for uh, at least the first maybe top 10 picks of the draft so we can kind of react and uh, and talk shop or whatever. And then we'll have a full recap for you guys after the weekend next week on Tuesday. So for the boys, I am Jeff. Thank you all for listening. As always, we love you guys. We will talk to you guys next week. And take it easy, everybody.